FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 296 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked. <laughs> Denise is here, she just snicked it with you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right, you may hear some laughing. Uh, I, of course, am your host, Jason Venable, with co-hosts from the Excalibros, Georgie and Dan. Hey guys. Hey. How are y'all doing? All good. Ready All right. to... Ready to Go talk on. some X, to swing some X. Go on this X Odyssey with you. <laughs> X Odyssey. <laughs> well, I was going to call this episode Dan's Designs, but X Odyssey may be better. <laughs> <laughs> it's the title for the new X book, Kelly. Oh. oh, there you go. Oh, and bring back Neil Adams. Just go straight. That That's like ultra nostalgia. That's <laughs> what they want, isn't it? Right, right. I heard well, yeah, it's so. just going to be like... They're gonna make comics, but they're not gonna actually sell them, and they're gonna like put them in blenders, and like make solutions out of them, and sell syringes, so you can just like like insert the nostalgia straight into your bloodstream. Oh, okay. So you can mainline your comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> painful. You might be onto something. You know, we were talking about Grant Morrison before we started recording. I, I think that's a that's a Morrison idea if I've ever heard one. Yeah. <laughs> Our, our media as a nutritional supplement. <laughs> yes, but um, I promise more jokes will deliver better than that <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> um, but yes, we have a lot to talk about, a ton going on in the X universe since the last we chatted, and um, we will get to it all. I can't promise it'll all get equal weight. <laughs> But we will at least mention about a thousand different things, and some of them will probably get some pretty good conversation. So, um, yeah, I, I think um, we can cut the foreplay and just get right into the right into the meat of the episode, huh? You guys Let's ready? Yeah. All right. All right. Well, so our first kind of topic of conversation, we may have to start and stop. And the reason I say that is because I feel like. I want to open with it, but I also feel like some of the conversation is going to reflect some of the books we're going to talk about, just based on what I've seen you guys tweeting. So I don't want to get too far into that, but I did want to talk about the uncanny announcement and kind of everybody's um, thoughts on that. So, of course, uh, the announcement is going to be a a weekly book, Uncanny uh, a disassemble, which I love the way you guys talked about it on the most recent Excaliburs. Um, I hope Dan gets his wishes, <laughs> his, his wish list for the series. But um, yeah, it's going to be a weekly series with um, Kelly Thompson, Matthew Rosenberg, and Ed Brisson as the writers. And then the artists are going to be uh, Mahmoud Azrar and um, uh, uh, Pere Perez, right? And isn't and Silva on there as well? I don't know. Is he? And then that Senya guy from Weapon X, Nilandrar uh, yeah. Sinar. Right, 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 right. That's who it is, yeah. 
All right. Well, so when you guys, I mean, are we excited that Uncanny is starting again? Do we like the format? Do we like the creatives? Do, do we like the, what are our, our thoughts and concerns about the disassembled portion? And I guess just when you guys take off and we'll all kind of loop in. You know, I was thinking back when, when was the last time we really had Uncanny? And we had it a couple of years ago, but it wasn't like Uncanny proper, right? Right. It's when Bendis was doing it. So I guess my, my question to you guys first off is when was the last like proper Uncanny title? Good God. Well, if you go before Bendis, because didn't, didn't the relaunch, though, also wasn't Bun, Bun's book with Greg Land? Wasn't that yeah. Uncanny? Yeah, the, the Magneto team. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I would disqualify Bendis's run, but it was definitely not as bombastic. Um, it's just not like the iconic go. team, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. Oh, gosh, man, I don't even know then. Um, I really like Gillen's run. I know that's. I know some. a lot of people don't. Was but that I like Uncanny the whole... or was that just X-Men? Oh, God. Uh, um... <laughs> Exactly, I, that's my thought. <laughs> it, it, it must have been uncanny because there's Wolverine and the X Men, and then I, the, the, I think it was okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I think he may have done some time on both, but Cause, yeah, because I had the Extinction Squad, and I like that idea mm-hmm. with the yeah. Because he also that did that Tabula Ro- was that him that did the Tabula Rosa, like I'm probably saying uh, that wrong. No, but... Yeah, the, the the Fallout from Uncanny X Force. Oh, okay, right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah, about that place that Archangel made. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, it, oh, and Georgie, I guess to answer your question, it's been a while um, since we've had a uh, real uncanny book, and of course the color books. I'm surprised uh, you didn't sing that. I kind of did. I, I mean, I Aaron Lewis sang it. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's been a while. There you go. Urgh, not gravelly enough. I gotta get my. I got, need to get my bar stool to sit on and my acoustic guitar. Um, oh man, we should do a totally. Uh, we should totally do a Jason Unplugged episode. <laughs> we just talk about X topics and then you, you go into like X Men theme Song. songs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I learned how to play the uh, the animated theme song on the piano for you. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like I really derailed this. Um, no, no, you're fine. I think to answer your question, though, is it's been a long time since we've had a front and center, you know, yeah. grab people in the comic shop to look at the racks, kind of uncanny X-Men book. Um, so, I don't know, maybe just t- tack on your question. Do we think this book is going to accomplish that? Like, is it going to generate, like, bring X-Men back kind of the front and center of of comic readers' attention. Um, well, a certain a certain deal might for might mean that everyone else is pushed aside, so the X Men come first. <laughs> but that's just me being cynical. <laughs> that won't be for a couple of years, at least, though. Yeah, but I mean, like, they'll get the gears rolling now, so that because um, it feels like the the the, the um, chains that have been wrapped around the X Men. Have been shattered, so you can do whatever you want with them now. You've got like the traffic light of X Men books, and now we have Uncanny. And I assume in after ten weeks they're going to launch Uncanny, relaunch Uncanny again, and right. um, relaunch yeah. like um, um, some other X titles. And there'll only be one good one. 
because that's that's the law of X Men. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I, there is a while where uncanny and adjective which were both quite good. So, um, but yeah, they do seem to kind of alternate a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was looking at the timeline though. Um, I think the way it's all going to shake out, if Uncanny is 10 weeks, and it starts in November, and then the return of Wolverine is not weekly, and it's five issues, I think those should end ballpark same time. So I think that kind of sets everything up for like early spring, like February, March, for them to just kind of do whatever they want. Every, all the pieces, quote-unquote, will be back in place, I guess. So I would expect some kind of big big book to come out of that. You know, I my concern is that the name that was obviously missing from Uncanny uh, was Tom Taylor. Yeah. And he better not get swept under the X rug because, I mean, he's been doing the best best X stuff between Red and All-New Wolverine in is it several years. Is the question. Is there not an, is there enough nostalgia in Red? Because if not, it's not what Marvel wants. <laughs> the experts, the experts are all about nostalgia <laughs> at the moment. Good story, like good storytelling, can be thrown out the window as long as you've got a team that people will buy. Um, so, but I don't know. I hope I hope Red. I don't know. It's, it's, I hope it's Red the return of Dalton Gene, so I think that that will carry a certain nostalgic factor with it. I think. Because I assume they're just going to get rid of all the all the colours, right? And Red will just be relaunched as Uncanny, and um, all the other writers are fired, apart from Kelly Thompson. <laughs> right? That's what's going to happen, right? Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> well, given, and I don't want to like get too far into it, but the material that Rosenberg and Brisson have been putting out, uh, at least X-book-wise, has been less than stellar. I think I'm speaking for Dan as well when I say that. So, um, I... You know, I, I feel like Thompson could handle the book herself. Uh, who, that's why I'd rather, you know, was, was writing this. That's why I've been pushing for, for like, you know, however many months right. to be writing. Yeah. But, um, you know, Taylor, as, as you mentioned, I would prefer if Red turned into Uncanny. If this, like, I would too. If this Uncanny mm-hmm. was like a miniseries and then Uncanny really launched and Red turned into Uncanny and it was, it was Taylor at the helm, that would be... Hopefully, sell well enough and still be creatively like uh, ambitious enough for, for for us to be to to enjoy it as well, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, his storyline is definitely kind of global and universal. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe you guys are seeing differently. I feel like Red's getting a lot of love. Oh no, no, no it's getting a lot of love. I was just being annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love to see Kelly Thompson on the flagship X Men title. That's That'd what be I would pretty awesome. I think. It, when is the last one written like a flagship X X title? Is it Mar- 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 Marjorie Liu? Marjorie Liu is astonishing. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even that would you'd be hard would. pressed to call it the flagship. I yeah. think. So it'd be nice to see. You know, because I feel like we're gonna get a Rosenberg X Factor book. Oh, don't do that to me. Sorry. No, but I think think with him being in control of the new mutant characters and Madrox, I feel like we yeah. might get an X Factory book from him. Right. And, and Brisson might be given something else. Or, is it just, or Astonishing could stay the lovable loser team. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, 
Do you think Weapon X is gonna? Not, is it Weapon? Is Weapon X is still gonna exist. I heard one of said it was canceled. Yeah. So where I I looked and couldn't confirm that anywhere. Where did you see that? I heard it from uh, another podcast. You just hear it from me wishing. <laughs> <laughs> you, you confuse my uh, wish fulfillment with uh... a. <laughs> Jason came Actual into my wish. dreams last night and said, "Weapon uh-huh. X is canceled." <laughs> Because I thought because they're relaunching, they sort of relaunched it, haven't they? Just right, yeah. Last week, and that, we'll talk. I I don't know if we'll talk about it, but yeah, we will. A little bit, it's on yeah. it's on the list. <laughs> and I just thought titles, we were being yeah. relaunched. I thought semi soft relaunched. Maybe we're going to get an X Force book. Maybe like yeah. they just ditch Weapon X and just turn it into X Force. So that'd make more sense. Mm, right. now. Oh well. Well, I'm I'm hopefully optimistic. I don't know if ten issues every week um, would. I just hope it isn't like the Avengers one, that, the No Surrender, where it was like, "This is really good." None of you are Avengers anymore. Goodbye. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like this is fun. I like the art. No one's an Avenger because they've all been sent home. I just hope it's not like that. Where it's like right at the end, anyone who isn't like the classics are all just sent to bed. All of you go to bed now. We don't. We don't care for any of you. We just want. These classic characters. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna. I'll. I'll throw out what what I hope happens, and I don't think any of this will come true. But um, I hope that Taylor and Azarar get back together for Uncanny. Mm-hmm. I hope that Thompson and Bandini do an adjectiveless book Ooh. to kind of accompany cool. that. Yeah. And then I hope that uh, I I want, I'm fine if Rosenberg and Land stay on kind of astonishing. And then I think Brisson can move to whatever Weapon X X Force becomes and do something there um, with you know. And can we give and can we give Tamake a, a, a book as well because uh, X twenty three? Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Well, yeah. No, her X twenty three. Give her uh, just just give her anything. Yeah, you can have whatever. <laughs> have a team, but pick yeah. whoever you want. <laughs> I'd be happy with Definitely. that. Definitely. Yeah, I would too because her. Her X-23 has got off to a great start. Yeah, man. Her and Cabal are just killing that book. Yeah. Yeah, Cabal is doing... You know, I... Had either of you heard of him before he came on All New Wolverine? No, and I feel horrible. I haven't either. Yeah, but he's great. Amazing. Yeah. All right, well, speaking of all our X-Colors, there's been some Hula... Hula... Hullabaloo? You're British, Dan. How do I say that word? Hullabaloo? <laughs> Hullabaloo. I'm assuming, I'm assuming you guys will get some Muse named a record after it. Um, oh, let's not get music. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so there's been some, uh, some, I guess, talk about the X-Men Black. Really, I've seen very little conversation about the content, but I've seen a lot of conversation about the covers, and... Uh, Georgie, I saw that you had, had asked if we were going to talk about that, so I'll let you kind of, kind of fill everybody in right. on, on what's going on there. I, I don't remember, and I feel so terrible about this now. I should have should have prepped this, uh, but there, there's a woman um, who's studying comics, and, and uh, I believe it was pop culture who saw the covers and tweeted out just really innocuously, in, you know, yelling into Twitter as we all do, um, you know. <laughs> Twitter, you know, basically you're not always asking for a response to just like getting your thoughts out. So I think she was just like looking at these covers and going, hey, do, is women, or rather is Marvel trying to sell these to women because 
these don't look like the kind of covers women want to purchase. And if you look, they're very, I, I want to say, Barbie-esque in that they've got super long yeah. necks and super long legs and their waists are like extra long and organs wouldn't actually fit into their bodies. They look very Barbie-like. Um, and someone f- found out about that, let the artist know. Uh, the artist then sort of retweeted with comment and then all of his followers started jumping on this woman, uh, like harassing her online. So it's, it's just like more toxic uh, comic book fans being, being bad people. And you know, to be right, honest, right. I don't really like those covers. They look kind of crappy to me. And it's not just the character designs. It's the color work. It's just the design work in general look pretty rough to me. Like I would not buy those for the cover. Um, but it's, is this why? Is this the J. Scott Campbell's? Is this why his yes. name's been on the Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, so of course, J. Scott Campbell of um, I don't know what Danger Girl fame, I mm. guess. Um, yeah. And it's done. I mean, he's pretty much been a variant cover artist for the past ten years. It's kind of been his bread and butter. Um, and he is of the, uh, you know, he comes out of the the Wildstorm top cow universe so he's of the uh, sexy girl variety uh usually speaking um so i think there's a couple of different issues going on here um i think and george you kind of alluded to both of them i think there's there's the issue of just the covers themselves and kind of uh, and i don't remember the the lady's name either that tweeted um i did think it's very interesting she called it like the uh the blue age of comics you know we talk about mm-hmm. you know silver gold bronze age um Know, kind of the social media age of comic books and how how fandom has really changed and how the interaction with creators and fans has changed and um, so I think there's there's a couple of different issues I think you know having J. Scott Campbell do the main covers of the books on an X-Men book I mean, it's hard because I feel like there's a place for people who want these covers, and they should—I don't think they should be denied their their taste or whatever. Um, but I think there's also, though, I think one of the things maybe maybe this person was alluding to is there's whether there actually is or whether I just want there to be. <laughs> there, there should be an importance to X Men books, and I think. X-Men as a concept and what's going into the book should be just as conscious of kind of what X-Men books should be saying most of the time. And I do think maybe it's a little bit of a conflicting message. And I don't remember. So there's Magneto, Mojo, Emma Frost, and who's the fourth one? Juggernaut. Juggernaut. Oh, uh, Mystique. Mystique was the one with the... I don't know if you remember all like the Mary Jane covers that, that uh, Campbell's done over the years, but mm, I remember them. Is is to the it's of the variety where the shirts are so tight they wrap under the boob. Yeah, <laughs> and the Mystique book kind of has that going on, and it's just a weird. I don't know because, I mean, mostly, I think Campbell's a good artist. Like he did a lot of amazing Spider-Man covers back in the JMS run. That were pretty freaking great, um, and, you know. And he's done uh, one of my favorite Wizard covers is one he did a Wolverine and a Snake Eyes from GI Joe, 
And so, I think he definitely has talent, or at least you know has before when he was a drummer regularly. Um, and I actually kind of like the Magneto cover, but I do think the female covers are a little problematic. I would say the Mystique a little more so than the Emma. The Emma one is maybe a hair tamer. Um, and when you think about what X-Men stands for, I just don't know if these covers match what X-Men's mission statement should be. Um, at least as the main cover. Now, I think if you want to offer these as like alternate covers, it's not my cup of tea. I wouldn't buy them, but I think that's less problematic. Um, so, I don't know. What do you guys think? We'll get to the social media and the response in a second. What do you guys think just of like the covers and how they relate to... I don't know. I, I don't want to make... I don't want to sound like I'm on a moral crusade. That's not, that's not my point here. Um, I think the cover... There's nothing wrong with the covers being there. I just wish they weren't the main covers. Um, looking at them, they're very... All of them sort of are the category of cheesecake, sort of, aren't they? Really? Right. Um, I've had to bring them up to actually see them. <laughs> I, I'm sorry I you had to look at those again. Yeah, um, no, I only remember the Magneto one from the announcement. I didn't see the others. Um, you could argue that Emma uses sex as a weapon, and she's yeah. always been depicted as a highly sexual creature. Um, right. But that doesn't sell to people who don't know her, um, I suppose. Um but I think that style of... Because art evolved consistently. As someone who's just trudged through all of his back catalogue, art constantly evolves in this medium. And I feel like the, that style of art is niche now, as opposed to mainstream, like it was about 20 years ago. Right. Um, maybe not even 20 years ago. Um, especially in the 90s, it was, it was everywhere. Um, so I think it's more niche. So I think, like you said, if it was variant covers then that would make more sense. I don't know. I would look at them in the shop and think they're variant covers, and I'd be like, where the real <laughs> right. covers are? Because they because I don't know, they just don't, they don't. The Mystique ones. The Mystique ones are weird. All I can yeah. say. Like, it's cool. <laughs> it's, it's cool that people like that are, you know, Xenoscope has built its entire empire on pervy comic book guys. You know, right. um, it's great that that and all art sort of has its place. But yeah, I'm with you in the idea that I don't know if it's the, what you want. I know it's villain books, but do you really want to? I don't know. I feel like that they should be variants, not right. Me. You know, I think I think my wife, if she was awake, she's taking a, a pregnancy nap right now. Um, well, I think I think it's off-brand for X Men. I think that's the term she would use. That X Men should have a certain branding and this doesn't really I don't know. I don't know especially with like when you look at like what Taylor's doing. <laughs> yeah. But. I mean they're not it's not the biggest thing in the world for me. It's like no, th- they right. chose this guy who's just gonna make sexy covers that look actually kinda gross if you if you analyze not gross in like how they're demeaning women, but just like grossly un unnatural looking to me. Um, <laughs> right. And and you know, whatever the covers that happens but it's for me it's more like then this guy sort of yeah yeah told his so followers hey this, into that. yeah this woman doesn't like him we should tell her tell her what you think and so, really is that what we're <laughs> gonna do now right yeah and i don't know i mean you know I, the article you uh retweeted georgie um you know she was very polite <laughs> 
and trying to give benefit of the doubt to the creator. I, to me, I think the creator had to have known mm-hmm. that at least some response and dogpiling was assumed to going to happen. Um, I don't. I can't imagine what different response would necessarily be expected if that wasn't the expected response. Um, and so I think that's problematic because especially... I mean, one thing is like... Okay, so like, I don't know if you guys follow Eric Larson. And I don't want to pick on him too much. But, you know, he can, he can be a little grouchy on Twitter. And, you know, people may sometimes criticize his art and he'll... He'll bounce back and maybe fire off some snarky comments or whatever, but you know, it's generally in defense of his, you know, his art and just not want you know, like people like if you don't like it, just kind of leave me alone, kind of thing. Um, but I think that's different than like saying, okay, I need everyone, all of my followers, because you know he has a significant following, and this this person that, that tweeted the comment, kind of like you said, just kind of shouting into Twitter. At that time, I mean, I was doing fine by herself, but didn't have near like the following that that the artists have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think even if he didn't like it or was kind of annoyed by it and just ignoring it, or or just maybe tweeting her back and saying, "Hey, sorry you don't like it. You know, hope you, hope you enjoy the comics." Or, like, I think creators, I think some creators intentionally take the high road, and some. I've kind of decided, well, if I'm being attacked, then it's okay for me to lower myself and attack people. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to tell people how to act. People have to figure that out for themselves as adults. But to me, it, it feels like it's just a really, really kind of poor form to take someone who would be mostly unheard, magnify their comment, and then either outright or, you know, read between the lines, encourage his followers to defend him to this person. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and this seems like a really poor form. I yeah. I, I didn't care. I didn't care for it. I, no, I totally agree. Um, you know, my personal way of doing things, and I know not everyone operates this way, I, I kind of feel like it's ideal, but if I'm going to go on Twitter and criticize someone, I'm not adding them. I'm not saying, hey, at this right. artist, you know, how and dare you? And this person didn't either. Right. It's yeah. Just, it's just like, that's my opinion, and I'm not going to yell at you, because how mean is that to, to right. do that to someone? <laughs> uh, you know, unless they, they've done something awful, uh, you know, that's illegal or, like, morally, morally reprehensible or something, right? But it's oh, like, right, right, right. Oh, I didn't like this story. How dare you? Like, I'm not, I don't need to do that. He doesn't need to hear that. That doesn't help anyone. Um, yeah. So if she had added him and like yelled at him this way, like "How dare you?" I would understand right. him like coming back. But this is it's a, it's, a, it's a shame. Yeah, it is. It is. People, you know, we're talking about another Twitter ex- Twitter experience when we get to extermination. Um, I think the key word in a lot of these situations that people need to be mindful of is just disengage. Mm-hmm. If a conversation's not going the way you want, just disengage. It's not worth it. Move on with your life. Keep drawing your covers and don't worry about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, I don't know. Yeah, not to be the utter twat in this conversation, but how fragile is his male ego? That um, <laughs> a little criticism about his booby 
drawing um, gets him to bully someone with his followers. Right. And the precedent has been set much beyond before Campbell, because what's his name? Um, Van Striver does it. And oh. like all of yeah. those people. The common geeks guys, yeah. Yeah. yeah, what, yeah. what I, consi- I, I consider it, he may not, he's probably not part, hopefully he's not part of that mind, like that, so. that mind, but, but it's, a, it's a tactic that is used now to silence people, it's, it's utterly, like, <laughs> he either got told by a friend or he vanity searched his own name, that's the only two ways he's gonna, <laughs> like, but no, who does, like, like, if someone, Chris, I've had a lot of arguments on Twitter, if someone criticizes me, I'm not gonna be like, Look at look at this. Unless the person is like evil, I'm gonna be like, look at this person. Look look how they are treating me. I'll, I'll you know, fuck me. If someone said, um, you're writing shit, I'd be like, I'll just take that on board then and ignore you. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll cry silently to myself, but I'm not gonna like bully you because at the end of the day, she has a point and he has a point, and I suppose he can defend himself, but it's the way. Like you said, it's the, it's the way he defends himself that sort of echoes what kind of person he is, and this does not make him seem like a an upstanding um, <laughs> no. male man. Male man? Male man. <laughs> he is a man. male man, I believe. Yeah, this, is, this is what happens when gay people talk about people they don't understand. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> I think that's a great way to end that conversation. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, and like I said, I. Yeah. Anyway, All no right. reason to soap it anymore. <laughs> so, something really cool came out uh, a couple weeks ago, um, and that is the first issue of X Men Grand Design Second Genesis by Ed Fisker. And. I don't really think this is the kind of book we synopsize in this format. No. Uh, but but I wanted to get some... I mean, it's kind of like synopsizing a synopsis, which yes. is kind of, you know, a waste of time. But, but I did really enjoy it and really dig it and just kind of wanted to get a few few thoughts from you guys because it's, it's worth mentioning and because of the era it's covering, there's a ton of Wolverine in there. So definitely wanted to at least mention it on the podcast that goes snicked. So, um... Yeah, Dan, why don't you kind of kick us off? What What did you think of the book? Um, well, I guess, first of all, before we get to that, I know we tweeted about it, but I don't know if we ever talked about it on the show. Uh, the first volume of Grand Design, were you guys both as big of a fan of it as I was? Hell yeah, I bought it as the giant thing. It's so a giant I. thing, yeah. like a coffee table book. Nice. Cool. Yeah. I, okay. I would. I'd sleep with it if I. If, if, I <laughs> if it was a person, I'd sleep with it. Yeah. There you go. That's that's the, the cover quote for the next issue for the next collection. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Okay. Cool. So we're all coming from a pretty similar place coming into this. Then. So do we feel like this was more of the same, like that same high level? Yeah. This did not disappoint. I adore his panel layouts. I love. Like the color work, the artistic, like the pencils, the inking, his nightcrawler is awesome. I have to get <laughs> that in there. Um, I just, I love how he summarizes stuff. Certain turns of phrase are just kind of funny because it kind of takes the mick out of what's happening sometimes. Right. I kind of like that about it. And I just think it just, it's such a fun read, and I would recommend it to anyone who's never read X Men. It's such a great summary of of that era, 
as well. So I'm all I'm all for it. Yeah, for, for me, it's yeah. like an illustrated Wikipedia page in the best sense that even though that sounds awful, but because um, <laughs> he like streamlines the history and he sums up everything that's happening. And if you want to catch up to like you know however many years of X Men history, you could just read these books. And you would, you know, be on par with what everyone remembers anyway. Um, right. About these stories. And they're drawn wonderfully. You feel the love and the care. It's it's like everyone who wants to read an X book should read one of these. And if you don't like these, then you probably shouldn't read any other X books. <laughs> <laughs> because this is like the essence of X-Men. Like, like... Look of a crow. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's the essence of what the X Men are. So if you don't like what this is doing, then you're not going to like what the other books are doing. Right. Sure. And, and I, I think out? the only the only equivalent to that is someone doesn't necessarily like the art style. That's. I would disagree, but I think that would be like a fair point. Sure, sure. But um, but yeah. Did y'all uh, y'all read digital or print on this? Oh, I have to get it digitally, but I'm going to just buy it again. So. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, if this comes out in a big collection, I'm going to get the second volume. Is that giant giant collection as well? That's what. Well, so the big collections they have the old newsprint yes. pages. It smells okay, like cool. old yeah. comics. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and the there's this... cool. so it's like yeah. Cyclops. So. Well, so is the digital version? Is it kind of faded? Yeah, it's faded. Like artificially? It's like, okay. And there's yeah. this really cool thing that happens when you get to the Macron crystal, where these pages are all yellow, and that page that's just the white with the blank, mm-hmm. or where the universe ends, like, you're just flipping through, and there's all these yellowed pages, and you get to that page, and then it's stark, bright white. Yeah. And it's really cool. Um, so I don't know if you got the same effect digitally or not, but... um, I think it, these books are... Um, even though I'm turning more to digital, these books are definitely a tactile um, sort of necessary read. Um, yeah, there's an experience there. And um, I, so, what are some of your either like just visual highlights or or something that he you know some way he worked in a certain retcon or whatever? Because you know X Men are full of retcons. Um, I guess just maybe. Anybody wants to grab just maybe two or three highlights a piece, and then we'll go ahead and, and move on. So, um, Pisca uh, obviously was inspired by Alan Davis, and you know how I, we always talk on Excalibur is about Nightcrawler's attire, and he's dressed in some smooth gear throughout this this book. I love his little fedora <laughs> trench coat um, combination. So, and yes, every time Nightcrawler's drawn, I got happy, and his phoenix. Um, I don't even know what you call it, like the the effigy of it. I don't, like the the raptor looks amazing. Yeah, yeah it does. Uh, the, 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 my favorite artistic is the run up where Gene is slowly being um, turned into a skeleton. Oh right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and, and runs back. into the things. That's a really beautiful um, imagery. Um, and to be honest, I just think it just looks. I would, I'd watch. I, I, I want this to be animated so I could watch the hell out of it. <laughs> <laughs> but, Very cool. It's hard to say that there's like a giant highlight for me. I just think there's so much going on that I'd have to sit down for hours and um, really go for it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think uh, what you mentioned kind of one of mine was Gene meeting the phoenix and the decay to the skeleton and then back into like the phoenix fetus kind of. 
and then that giant flame bird in the background looks really really cool um yeah just i don't know just the way the compression because it, it has to be such a hard hard task to sit down and decide how to compress these what do you include what do you leave out and for me my personal and the way i've you know read x history and just my taste or whatever like he's hitting all the right notes and to me that's really cool um you know we even got a little baseball game in there um you know we got the the giant wolverine fins on his helmet you know he, he includes mariko which is good that's my my biggest wolverine ship so um yeah i don't know i just i really really enjoyed it a lot and it's one of those just kind of sit down and read and then you sit down and read it again and you know well, obviously for me the 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 kind of the contention and highlight of uh, uncanny 133 with wolverine going under the hellfire club and taking out the soldiers was was really cool to see and it's cool because he kind of like yeah i think danny said this earlier he kind of he takes all these amazing stories and gives these great summaries but at the same time kind of takes the piss out of it a little bit um you know like the part where wolverine slaughters these guys and they're just like Oh, so cold, my guts! <laughs> you know, yeah. like laying on the floor, <laughs> and you know it's kind of this this funny moment and from this really serious story. And I don't know, I just I really like kind of I like the balance of the very very serious love letter to the X Men, but also I'm not going to take this too seriously. And I think it's, it's a perfect balance on the scales between those two things, and I think that's why I like it so much. So, what you have anything you want to add, Georgie? I mean, you, you guys said it all. It's it's gorgeous. Um, it it really speaks to me as an X fan, and uh, I, just read this book. Like, go back if you haven't read the first volume. Go back and read this, and then and and take your time. I had to take my time with that first volume. Like, there's a lot going on, um, and you can't like rush through these pages you have to take them in so like spend an afternoon and spend a couple afternoons just like perusing with a cup of coffee and and just enjoy what's happening yep and you get a really cool kind of bibliography at the back too which is really nice yeah yeah i agree it's a nice like sort of reading list that you you can can use it to just make more more x fans that's what right? you get this book for. Yeah. And even give you the plug for Marvel Unlimited where you can find all the issues. <laughs> so it's all, all conveniently packaged for you. But but yeah, I I think all three of us would, would highly recommend checking out some grand design, you know, whether the new one or you know, the previous volume. Um, just get in there and it's not a dip your toe in kind of thing. It's a uh, you know, get, get your swim trunks on, get on the high board, and jump in. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's not, well, well worth it. You're not going to the shallow end. You, you, your first, <laughs> your first time swimming is doing a swan dive off the the high board. Yeah, and I, I would be interested um, if any listeners of the show um, maybe are newer to the X Men universe and don't, because I think you know the three of us have a pretty good sense of x-men history and i think there's a certain enjoyment 
from this project that comes with that. I'd really like to hear from someone who doesn't know, like who's kind of getting some of this information for the first time. Like, what? How did that impact you? You give me a great idea. I'm just going to give it to Ian. Ah, there you go. He looked at it and he was like, "That looks really fun." And I was like, "Yes, it does, doesn't it?" Read it. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what I'll do. I'll just throw it in front of him. Like, he's just finished um, his Rocket and Groot book, so I was like, "Oh, nice! That was a cool book." I'll, I'll slide that in front of him because I was thinking of. I was thinking, looking at, it, I was looking at it again. I'm like, "Would it work for a kid?" I think it would work for a kid. Yeah, I mean, it's not too like intense, is it? So, do it, man. But like, but like the gateway <laughs> X Men drug. Yes, that's what we need. <laughs> Good idea. Thank you for that idea. I'm going to totally do it. And if he go. does read it, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you know. Um, yeah, later. cool. And we can even make him come on if he's not too adverse. Oh, I can force him. I'll force him. Oh, yeah. my. <laughs> like, just hear some wrestling like, in the background and like some screaming right? for help. Yeah. Just the word. Our relationship depends on it. Um, <laughs> yeah. He'll be shy though. That's the problem. He'll just be shy. But we can we can get the answers out of him. He'll be yes or no. Probably. <laughs> Did you like it? Yeah. Yeah. That. yeah. That's funny. Alrighty. What's anyway. next? All right. Next up, we have the new. You know what's funny? Um, kind of a sidebar. There's one of those kind of word balloons on the cover of this, and the first time I read it, I really thought it said. The next epic X Men epic starts here, and I misread big. <laughs> it says next. So I'm like, why did they say epic twice? Then I actually like, you know, got home and looked at it. Like, oh, it said the next big X Men epic starts here. So we have the next big X Men epic, and this is Extermination, number one. Um, is written by Ed Brisson, uh, art by. The wonderful Pepe Larraz and colors by Marte Gracia. And uh, letters BC's Joe Sabino and the cover by Mark Brooks. And I don't remember who I said was going to lead the conversation. Um, I think it's me. Yeah, I think you're right, Dan. Yeah, here we go. So we'll talk about the cover and then we'll get into the, Strap the issue. In. Enjoy the insults. Uh-oh. <laughs> anyway, um, I love Mark Brooks. I think his covers are astonishing. Um, I from do you Long remember book. Fearless Defenders? Remember which one? Fearless Defenders when he did the cover yes. for them. Yeah, yeah. He did Street Fighter cover between Misty and Valkyrie. That was such a great idea. Um, and I really like this cover. I think it's really beautiful. It's coloured really well, and it actually makes the book seem like it's going to be about the original five and it's going to be amazing right so you know you're like holy wow cow is it holy cow is that what we we're supposed to say um, <laughs> holy wow like, cow holy wow cow that's yeah. like upset because she's vomited out Iceman who's vomited out beast who's vomited out, <laughs> vomited out. Like that. you know it's like a Russian doll of um yeah, vomit doll. there you go <laughs> um I really Obviously, I, my personal highlights are the wings on Angel and Iceman's, um, the use of Iceman with the, between the snow and the actual ice. Right. Because um, I think Cyclops gets slightly shortchanged by not being totally cut in half by the lightning bolt. Right, yeah. But otherwise, what do you guys think? I think it's a great cover, yeah. 
No, totally. Uh, it's very different than what we're seeing inside the book, and that could be good or or bad. But here, it's just like a an amazing art piece that really feels like uh, it belongs on like a Marvel uh, card collection series. That that's how like how much time I feel like they put into this. So a great yeah. cover. Yeah, my my comic shop, Austin Comics in Dallas, Texas, um, had a nice big window poster of it. It was really nice. Oh wow! Yeah. I is is Brooks doing all of the covers for this? I believe so. Then I will like at least one element of this book going forward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Can I just, all right. Ring right, endorsement. <laughs> yeah. So we start in the future because it always has to start in the future with these X Men mm-hmm. yeah, events. That's what we do now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I almost got confused and thought it was Immerman because of the color work because the color work is extru- is the same colorist. It's the same guy. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, it's, it's, no, it's my moment. Um, and so we have a, a mysterious hooded figure walking around, and there's dead X-Men, and it's all like some old bastard's done something wrong, and so they teleport back in time. And apparently it's Chicago that we end up back in, um, and we have... Is that literally supposed to be the guy who edits? Who's doing the ed- X-Men editing? Like, yeah, yeah, that, that's Jordan D. White, yeah. Yeah. The so one ha- in the, with the handlebar mustache? Yes. Okay, that's funny. Yeah, so we have these two albino uh, um, French mutants who are about to be under attack until the young X-Men, the original five, plus Bloodstorm, um, join the fray and save the day. Yeah. And no one knows they're mysterious mutants. There's nothing wrong with them. They can speak French, that's why. And a very creepy-looking Cecilia Reyes... Gives them lollipops and um, everyone's moving on. And then we jump to we jump to a date between uh, um, Bloodstorm and Scott. And in much like every good horror movie, because I suppose it's got like an element of horror, the minority um, bites the dust first. Um, so, what is his name? Ahab. Ahab. Yeah. He came to find his whale, and unfortunately, he couldn't kill his optically blasting whale and instead murders murders uh, bloodstorm and i'm sure she's died once before recently so you know um <laughs> it's not the same we have some really nice panels going forward with the fight um what was that noise like can you hear me now yeah i hear you now yeah, yeah. You, your last maybe two sentences kind of broke up because uh, it went really loud i was like what is that random noise yeah. <laughs> sound like a semi truck or something Anyway, yes. Um, uh, so so Cyclops, you were saying that Cyclops is blasting some fools. Yeah, and Cyclops is all upset that Bloodstorm has been murdered. And then we cut to the theater where Bobby has been watching. Um, I don't know what he's watching because I can't couldn't get the reference. Um, I think it's Hamilton. Yeah, um, so. And he is being watched by the mysterious hooded figure. But then he is also attacked by um, a mysterious assailant. And quickly taken out of the fray, um, even though Cable tries to help him, which, you know, Cable turns up. Um, and then, and then <laughs> I forgot this even happened. No one really cares that Bloodstorm's dead apart from Scott, and Scott shouts at Rachel because it's all Rachel's fault, because um, um, Ahab has a few hounds with him, and obviously the hounds have the same tattoos as Rachel, and all of a sudden she's like, oh, fuck, that makes sense. Um, that I've got these tattoos, then that totally makes sense. Yeah, 
I haven't addressed it before, but I'll address it. You went silent there for a second. No, I was waiting for the giant, like, random growl <laughs> to, to finish. Um, and basically, um, Rachel's like, oh, things are happening. And Cable kind of ultimately fails and then is murdered by the hooded guy. Um, fails to save Iceman and is murdered by the hooded guy. And Gene feels it in Cerebro. Pretty much that's all that's really happened. And then we find out that um, the hooded guy... Oh yeah, Gene and... Older Gene and Nightcrawler turn up to help. To help. And then we find out that the hooded guy is collecting the original five. And it's... Um, Nate Gray or just Young Cable? Um, I don't know. I think it's just Young Cable. It's Baby Cable. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and in and, and, and in the background, Iceman has been crossed out. Um, and the book is to be continued. Is that the gist of what just happened? Yeah. That's yep. the gist yeah. Of what just happened. Yeah. Pretty much. So what did you guys think of the art? Because for me, that, that, that's the, the standout of, of this book, is the artwork. Oh, yeah. I, um, yeah. LaRoz and Gracia work together a lot, and I think they are a fantastic combination. Um, I feel like his art is, is really, really cool. Um, the colors work really well. They work really well together. Um, really good action. I mean, really mm-hmm. good action mm-hmm. almost. I love the 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 when Bobby's first in, um, first gets attacked and Bobby's trying to like ice shield himself through the window. That's my favorite panel, him with the little ice shield jumping through the window. Yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. Kind of looks like Captain America, right? Um, yeah, but I don't want to say he's just an action artist because that panel oh. of of Scott with the tears coming out from behind the red ruby quartz glasses is mm-hmm. a great panel as well. So he gets. He has really good facial expressions um, also. Um, yeah, no, he's he's been an artist I've been enjoying for a while. And I love so that, I, that his faces don't all look like the same face. So many artists, when they're drawing people, they, they're sort of stuck with like one face model, but they look like different right. people. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, the art is the standout here. Um, his work I like, on, uh, was awesome. Yeah, so. totally. And I like uh, Young Cable's design. Because it kind of has some of the elements of like classic cable. You got the big gun and the shoulder pad, and the pouches. <laughs> but it also looks like um, the previous version of the all new X Men co- designs. Like as far as the yeah. color scheme and yeah. like the, this, I don't know what the splotches, whatever you want to call them. Um, it's kind of a nice mix of like new and old as far as design elements. So I thought that was cool. Um, yeah, I mean he looks cool, but. Then we start to get into my, my issues with your more story. And, and the two biggest issues are, obviously, uh, as Dan mentioned, they took out the minority character and the gay character right away. So I, I don't think the, the, <laughs> the writer did that on purpose. Uh, I, I am assuming it's just happenstance, but it's something you should be aware of. The, part two is that they just brought Bloodstorm into the universe. So obviously, Bun wanted to use her for like a minute but didn't really have any idea of what to do with her and so editorial's like well we don't really need her so if we're going to kill someone we should just kill her off which seems like why even bring her into these books in the first place um it's, it's just dumb and then with young cable coming in like why do we need to de-age cable 
uh, what's the point? Like, I'm, is, is this? Are you trying to make him relevant anymore? Because I feel like Cable's story has been told. Like, we've done everything we need to do with Cable. But you bring right. in a young Cable, if he's the same mission, like, what? what's the point of it? Right. So it's interesting in a way that is kind of opposite of time travel stories. Usually the old guy comes back to course correct the young guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's weird that, the, like, what... What different information? I mean, but that gets into all the like. Well, every time he time travels and changes something, there's a new dimension. So there's like a, an ultra-dimensional quality to this that is sometimes hard to keep track of and not always worth it. Um, yeah, <laughs> like exactly. The mental gymnastics. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think Bloodstorm is an unfortunate. She's not really a casualty of Ahab as much as she is of editorial course correcting. Um, and I think Bond, like you said, brought her in, didn't really do that much, so she didn't become important. But it became important for her to not be part of this team anymore because we got to get the original five back to their timeline. Mm-hmm. Now, I think they could have done something else, like banished her back to her timeline or, or whatever. But I think the death was kind of a... A cheap way to to make Cyclops really angry, um, and I don't know. Ahab is weird to me because I haven't read enough of him. Like I know there's a lot more history to Ahab than what I've read. I was actually going to ask you guys: Is his main introduction is that through Excalibur, or does that come somewhere else? I generally cannot remember. Okay. Or is it, is it not? Does he not even show up until like? Is he part of Age of Apocalypse at all? I don't remember. I don't feel like he's part of Age of Apocalypse at all. At least not okay. as the main character. Right. I okay. I think he had that. I thought someone else was all in control of the Hounds. I didn't... I don't know. Maybe I'm just... <laughs> he's right. a crap Because the original, the original Days of Future Past, obviously he's nowhere to be seen. Right. Um, we have the Hound concept, but they're just kind of... And it would make sense they would have a handler, but we don't know who it is, and it's certainly not... A techno pirate, as he's called. Um, I've never really had a lot of love for the character. Um, to be honest, I know I'm in the minority. I know a lot of X fans really, really dig the idea, but um, people like this dude. Really, I think so. Don't they? Mm. I just misread that my whole life. I always thought that people were like because it ties into the the Hound and Days of Future Past thing tangentially. That it was just understood that he was a big bad guy. But maybe I'm. Maybe I've misread people's opinions on that my whole life. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, so... The deaths are weird to me. The plot, though, I thought was fine. Um, I think we may diverge a little bit there. Um, I think the idea of somebody wanting to figure out why the timeline is broken. I think it maybe could have been someone besides Cable or, you know, something. But, I mean, it is... At some point, we got to get all these shenanigans at least somewhat <laughs> sorted out uh, with it. Because they've been talking about broken timelines and yeah. everything for, like, ten years now. So, I mean, it's time to have some kind of resolution. And so that part interests me. Um, and... Yeah, I talked about a, a disengaging earlier. There's a there's a scene in here, and I don't want to. This is not a everybody, you know. 
I'm not going to do what J. Scott Campbell did. No one needs to defend me. I just wanted to give a message to my readers to be nice and be good people um, if you listen to the show. Um, you know, there's a part where Gene, old Gene, comes to young Gene and talks about like how she lost Cable and lost her son. And um, you know, it's one of those things where uh, someone that I, I don't even remember. I'm not going to say who it was, but um. Someone had kind of come after Brisson. And I'd seen some comments like, oh, well, it's not really her son. You know, it's fine, whatever. Well, I guess someone kind of came after him kind of hard on it. And he was just like, well, I don't know if it really matters, like, biologically. Which I think it's a pretty obvious yeah, exactly. assertion. Um, <laughs> but some guy, like, really just, like, tore into him. And, like, you know how people like to victimize themselves? Mm-hmm. And so he, tur- he turned it around that Brisson was somehow attacking like mothers <laughs> or like like you don't understand like what it's like to carry a kid for nine months or whatever and he's like well no I just think that you know mom doesn't have to be defined by that it's not disrespecting anybody so against my better judgment <laughs> I tweeted a response and just said hey you know as as a dad that has both adopted and you know spermed or by whatever wow. had a kid biologically <laughs> wow um, you know, i can say that that if you're not equally a father to both and you're not giving the same attention and love to both then you're not doing it right that's i just kind of left it at that and um so his comment back to me was well whatever makes you guys sleep better at night <laughs> and so and here's what gets interesting and at that point i was like okay i i don't know what this guy's problem is what he's going through i probably shouldn't have tweeted anything i'm just going to disengage that's kind of my philosophy right right let it go sounds like that's what he was trying to do too yeah yeah so like two hours later unprompted the guy re-responds to me and says that i'm delusional and there's no way that my adopted son will not grow up to resent me and his siblings (laughs) <laughs> no, go go to the bathroom. <laughs> and again, I ignored him. But I just want to say, you know, if you have strong opinions and they're dumb, a keep them to yourself. But if you do get an argument, just I don't know, just people be better. Just you know, hear this story. Like I said, I don't need one to like say, oh poor Jason, or you know, come tweet to my defense. Just just if you're listening to the show, just be better. So, you're here. Does that mean I? Does, does that mean anyone I adopt will resent me forever? Because <laughs> I'm yeah, not going to. Yeah, and, and you won't really be a dad, Dan. You'll just be some guy. Wow, <laughs> that guy has that has that is a hot take. I do not want. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, maybe he had a terrible stepfather. Like I, I try. I try to give people benefit of the doubt, but it was just a really mm. dick thing to do, and really kind of ruined my day. But you know. I, like I said, just people out there, when you're on Twitter, I know there's lots of things to kind of talk about and even, quote-unquote, argue about with comics. Just just be good people, though. To, so, to make to make you maybe feel better, if you look at the panel with um, Bloodstorm and Cyclops at the table, the la- Chinese lanterns are actually Spider-Man masks. Oh, I thought they were like Mario mushrooms, but you're right. They are Spider-Man masks. I don't know if that would make you happy or not, but there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what would you rate this book overall um alright so I didn't love 
kind of the arbitrary deaths necessarily. I don't think they had to happen to move the story forward. I did like a lot of the dialogue, and I love the art. Uh, I'm going to give it a 4 out of 6 claws. And I'm expecting y'all to go under me, so go ahead. <laughs> well, um, hmm, I haven't really tackled it properly. Um, I think there's only one good scene in the entire book, and that is between two characters, and unfortunately one of them is killed. Uh, which is <laughs> Scott and Bloodstorm, because the the idea of a development of a relationship between them two is intriguing, and I think it's handled very well by Brisson. And this right. is the Brisson I like. It sounds like the sheltered Brisson, as yeah. opposed to the rest, the rest mm-hmm. of the book. Mm-hmm. It feels like editorially told Brisson. Um, I think the idea that Cable is yet again... I'm with you, Jason. It could have been anyone else. I would have had <laughs> anyone else. Even Mojo would have been more... Of a, <laughs> more happy than Cable. Um, killing Bloodstorm, I'm with with you both, and I'm with Georgie. What was the point of her in the first place, if you've, if that's what happened? And it is very editorially done. Taking Bobby out first, I would argue that Angel is probably easier to do, because he has no personality, and, um, well, this version of Angel, and he's pretty much useless. Um, so it'd be nice to because it didn't even seem like it was a tactical decision. I understand, like, trying to take out Cyclops first, but obviously two different people trying to take him out. Um, I would like to see what happens to the five of them, but I don't know... From this, I don't know if the ride's going to be any good, but artistically, it's lovely. I generally love the little flourishes in all of the panels. Um, Some of the most beautiful colour work throughout... So I'm giving it a solid free, but it's mostly on the back of it that. Right. So I'm I'm fairly would, close to. Oh, go ahead, Jason. I'm going to count. I I I know we talked about kind of the uh, the unfortunate, you know, either murder or capture of the minorities. But I think one counterpoint to that, and might be that we know that the rest of the young team is probably going to be involved in big fights. Now, I honestly believe that with a one-on-one fight, Iceman is the most visually interesting. And it's possible that that's why he was in this scene and taken out first, because he's the one that's going to fight one-on-one with the assailant. I don't know. Maybe that, maybe I'm overanalyzing it. But I, I really thought that that fight was pretty cool. And so, it, great. Yeah. it could have easily been slotted into issue two, so it didn't seem as, as harsh. True, <laughs> right. You know, I also think it's hilarious that neither of us have, none of us really have mentioned that Cable is dead. <laughs> He's been dead to me for years, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> He's so boring. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't think we need to talk about the Iceman thing anymore. I think we've, we've talked to death. I, I could say something, but I think we'll just prolong and end up at the same place. But artwork-wise, uh, going through this again, I think I, I gained a, a greater appreciation, especially for the color work here um, and, and the panel layouts I, I actually really enjoy. So um, it's a low three, and it's all artwork uh, for me. Uh, the story just feels like editorial wants you to kill a bunch of X characters, and, and especially these ones, so this is what we're going to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. So that's our big epic, our next epic X-Men epic. Um, <laughs> maybe, this will, maybe this will be the next epic 
Snickcast episode. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's that. That's extermination, and we'll, we'll see where it goes and where everybody ends up. With the uh, the O5 with their backs against the wall, as all the solicitations say. But um, let's move into something way more fun. Uh, we're going to talk about Mr. and Mrs. X number one. Um, of course, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Oscar Balzaldua, maybe. Um, colors by Frank Diamarda, letters Joe Mises, Joe Sabino, and the cover by the Dodsons. So, Georgie, why don't you kind of walk us through this one a little bit? Alrighty, so it's issue right, number one. Um, I'm getting a bit of echo. Yeah, just suddenly. It wasn't there before. Right. Is it, right. Is it me? Uh, let me see. Yeah, it might be you, Dan. Oh, but like, uh, I think it's gone now. We're good. Sorry. I was going to say, all I've done is move slightly. <laughs> as, as someone who's worked like with, with tech for the last however many years... It's weird how like finicky these things can be, devices can be. Yeah. It's it's. But anyway, we're good. So, um, issue number one uh, on the front cover, we've got Gambit and Rogue in their uh, wedding outfits. Gambit shooting some some cards uh, towards the uh, the viewer, so to speak. Um, what do you guys think of this cover? Because it's not for me. The covers in this series are the least uh, enjoyable parts. I used to love I the can... Dodson, but I think I don't know. It just feels a bit. Like they've just bashed out a cover. That's it. That makes sense. Yeah, um, it's fine. I like the white background. Probably my favorite part is that the back of the playing cards are Dotson's playing cards. <laughs> of course. I don't know what that says. And I like. I really like the the logo, and particularly the color of the logo. Yeah. So, I, I picked out different parts of this color that maybe are cover. Maybe to be the highlights for me, but I think, I think it's fine. The parts it's that are the main characters, you found the highlights. Right. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, the, the issue starts off uh, with some intermittent panels between uh, Rogue and Gambit getting married and them on their honeymoon out in space. Um, and I love how this issue, uh, to editorialize a little bit, takes place partially sort of in the cracks of gold that we didn't see. And also right. past past the wedding as well. I, I thought it was a great sort of framing device, if that's the the right uh, word for it. Um, but it, it really tied it in uh, to that other issue like like so well. Um, and I really enjoyed that issue of gold, uh, surprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but we've got uh, sort of behind the scenes here of uh, a storm helping Gambit get ready. Uh, Gabby brings him a flower. Uh, X-23 is Laura's helping to cut his hair and, and getting him prepped. <laughs> like, there are all these, like, little character moments which were also present in gold that just, like, make this issue shine during the wedding. Uh, like, yeah. I- I'm thinking of Jubilee, uh, like, being all excited and, like, calling out and, like, organizing and being all into it. Um, the the interactions between Iceman and, um, and Nightcrawler here are great, uh, like, hilarious. Um, and, and they feel like, I, I feel like if, if Thompson has a weakness, a lot of her characters can have that sort of like uh, smart ass jokiness to them, but um, they, they, they still feel different uh, in this book. So it's a sign of a really good writer. Um, and, and we get, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm jumping all over the place. Uh, 
but basically rogues trying to get like something red something blue something old something new uh, the characters are helping her we get a lot of you know wonderful interactions mystique shows up uh, she has a little heart to heart with rogue um, which is kind of touching they get married you realize that rogue uh, got one of the power dampening uh, necklaces so that she can quote unquote enjoy her wedding night <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. uh, we have a, a, like a a sweet reception, uh, cut to them in space, like being all lovey-dovey, uh, like fun interactions. Like I don't even care that there's very little action going on in the first half of the book. It's just the character interaction is, is so wonderful here. Um, Kitty calls them up. Rogue answers, even though Gambit asks her not to. There's some jokey moments that are fun. Uh, they go out into a mission. They're, they're supposed to get some sort of like crystal package, and they run into Cerise uh, from the Shire Empire. Uh, but then they realize that there's uh, some other people who are attacking them. Uh, some fun combat ensues, and Rogue uh, gets like shot out into space because she absorbs someone's powers, and uh, she gets picked up. She gets picked up by Deadpool at the end uh, because Deadpool is going to be a part of this issue, and and that's that's where we end. So I, I just sort of like uh, blaze through the story there uh, because. The story for, for me wasn't so important. It was all the little character beats and fun dialogue and character moments that I just love about this issue. What did you guys think? This is an X-Men book. Mm-hmm. Yep. This reads like yep. an actual X-Men book. And this is why I'm excited for Uncanny. Um, because often or not, X-Men books are live and die on their character interactions as yeah. opposed to like the epic story of a, a J- Justice League or an Avengers event, whatever. And um, this has nailed it. Like The first half is just wonderful. It looks great. I even... Um, we even tweeted... Like, Cerise is obviously an ex-member of Excalibur, so I was excited to see someone from Excalibur. And I even like the fact that they're actually putting Deadpool in it, nodding straight back to Unca- their, their time together in Uncanny yeah. Avengers. Yeah, gotta resolve that kiss. Yeah, you know, because if continuity is king, Thompson has got it on the on you know on speed dial in this book <laughs> and on top. We are full of quotes today. This is amazing. Yeah, and um, yeah. on on top on top of that, this is continuity that I can get behind. This is story driven continuity, not continuity for story. And I generally just um, and artistically gorgeous. And I f- totally forgot how beautiful Storm's wedding dress is. Yes. It's, um, it's, I know it's not her wedding, but she... <laughs> she kind of steals the show dress-wise, yeah. yeah. And I love the color work. The color work's so good all the way through. And I like the blue on... Uh, the shade of blue that they do with Mystique and Nightcrawler. Um, and I thought it was quite nice. All in all. And I they actually love... remember that Nightcrawler is Rogue's sister. So right. Rogue's yeah. sister... Which was nice because no one ever really talks about that ever. <laughs> so, yeah. What about you, Jason? Yeah, I have. Well, first of all, I, I want to say two things I love. I love Gambit's space costume. Mm-hmm. The design and color work on that is my favorite. And I also love. I don't know if y'all remember. The I guess it was it was Amanda Sefton. Nightcrawler dated way back in right, the, right, right, right. Claremont Cochran days, I believe. There's that scene where she comes to visit him in his apartment, and he's on the sofa, and he's got like a Nightcrawler doll with him. Right. 
And this last panel is Deadpool kind of in that same pose. He's got like a really ugly, like Deadpool doll by his knee. <laughs> I thought I, I loved that. I loved it so much. Um, and so the only negative thing I have to say at all is that I feel like every a lot of people in the art look like teenage like yes 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 like especially when rogue and mystique mm-hmm. are like they have their hug and they turn around and look at the camera or whatever yeah i they both look like they're 13 yeah um and that's really that's my only criticism other than that i think this book is pretty much damn perfect um i think overall the art is amazing with the kind of the a few weird age things aside um thought the story was very driven. It was funny. Um, and, you know, we got got him in space with some Shi'ar stuff, and in a good way, because Shi'ar can go either way, right? Right. It can be really interesting and really terrible. It sounds like it's going to be kind of fun. So, um, no, I, I love this issue a lot, a whole lot. Yeah, uh, I, I think you, you said my one qualm as well, that it's, it's, it's more for the women than for the men. Uh, that look young. Um, you know, we had Dodson's on the cover, and they're, in my mind, more known for doing this for, for female faces. So um, I was kind of surprised to see that inside the issue. But other than that, I, I really just love this, this book so much. So what do you want to rate it? Hmm. I'm, I'm going to go, go first. I'm going to go... Uh, um, a five. Yeah, I'm bounced between a five and a six. What are you gonna do, Georgie? And then I'll, I'll waffle after you guys. I, I feel like <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. Um, I, I feel like <laughs> so much of this book screams six, but I feel like it's too early to just dole that out there. Those, the cover is a qualm. The faces are a qualm. Like even minor, but I feel like this book is gonna it's gonna get even better. So a five for this book, even though that's not uh, saying anything. It's, it's not like oh, it's only a five. Like this is a really great five book. Pick this book up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll I'll stay in line. I'm gonna give it a very very high five out of six claws. I guess almost a six. And and honestly. Um, you take away kind of maybe the, the one or two little things I didn't love, and this this very easily transforms to a six. So it's so right on that cusp of being a perfect book to me. It's not quite there, but it's so, so close. Yep, yep. All right, cool. Well, now we're going to um, – that's been kind of our marathon of the episode. We're going to kind of get into some sprints now. Um, All right. <laughs> so we'll kind of start on some team books. Um I don't want to make the guys rehash too much because they just put out a fantastic episode uh, of Excalibros that talks about this very issue, and they go into really great detail and have a lot of really fun things to say. Um, that is Exiles number six um, by um, Saladin Ahmed with guest artist Rod Rice, uh, letters by VC Joe Caramagna. The cover, the kind of, I thought. And you guys already said this as well, kind of the weakest link uh, by Mike McCone, who is the original Exiles artist. And Hi. Yep. I'm just going to quote you guys. Uh, I know you have to have your characters on there, but you take them off, and this character is a lot cooler. 
Like, it's just the Brotherhood. It's just, it's a much better cover. I do love, though, like, Magneto not actually holding his guns. Yes, yes. I kind of miss that, not because he does a little bit different in the issue. Um, and I kind of prefer the cover image on that a little bit. Um, and, Georgie, you nailed it. I, I don't like Wolvie looking like ex-baby Wolvie, and so it kind of drags me out of the cover just a little bit. Yeah. Um, so you guys raved about this issue, and spoiler <laughs> alert, I'm going to do the same. Um, I thought it was interesting. Um, you guys talked about Little Wolfie looking different, and to me it's a very specific different. Mm-hmm. Um, if uh, Rodriguez did him as kind of a Cartoon Network flirting with right. anime kind of style, this to me is like... There's an era of Tom and Jerry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. After the classic era, it's the era when um, they do the MGM intro and the lion is Jerry roaring in the logo. Like, that looks like this animation. Um, It's kind of, like, not quite right, but still very endearing. Um, And so I thought the choice to kind of use that style of animation was really fun. And uh, I don't remember which of you guys said it. But the idea of him almost being like an animated cell yeah, inserted yeah. into all the panels is it was brilliant. Um, really love that. And y'all, so basically the story is they're trying to figure out what they're going to do next um, after the whole time eater story. They're hanging out in the Bahamas, uh, <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna quote this here if I can find it for a second. Um, by using teamwork and believing <laughs> in little <laughs> Wolvie's hearts, they're able to get the Talus to send them to try to find Blink's friends. And the first place they stop is the Old West, and we have the Magnus gang. You guys talked about kind of, like it looked like worn film when we go to the Old West, which I thought was brilliant on Rod, Rod Rice's part. Um, and lots of Easter eggs as they kind of go through the Old West uh, with the Magnus gang, which I thought was such an Old West way to call the Brotherhood. You yeah. just name it after the head guy and call it his posse and then keep going. Um, I love the little snick. This actually a little snick with little tiny claws. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so they, they fight that. They realize that the gang's kind of out of control. Um Instead of floating guns, we get just floating loose bullets, which is, is equally intimidating. And that page, I won't hammer home, but very spaghetti western and a great homage where they focus on the eyes and the squinting and the kind of the fast draw with Magneto's bullets and Blink's little. What are those? Are they like. Can we call them Blink daggers? Is that what. Yeah. We'll yeah. go. That's, that's as good as the name as any. Okay. Then you get the cartoon dust-up of a little wolfie yanking on Toad's tongue. Um, and yeah, then, again, won't beleaguer, but uh, that last panel of T'Challa um, in the all-black western wear, but still with kind of the panther tooth necklace, and then the panther on the hat. Um, kind of looks like a sexier version of Will Smith in the Wild Wild West movie. Um, and yeah, I just... I agree with everything. And guys, go listen to their episode. Uh, was it episode uh, eight for you guys, I think? Yep, episode eight. eight. Yeah, yeah, it was eight. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the most recent one, um, they talk about Old Exiles and Old Excalibur, which is great, but they really, really dive into this book. 
and I won't make you repeat it, but they gave very high marks, and I'm right there with them. I, uh, as the podcast that goes snaked, I love Little Wolvie in this, but the art is amazing. The differences in the art as the book goes is amazing, and it's just a great... This is where I hope the book goes. It's kind of hopping around with different versions of characters and different universes, and I... I hope it takes them a while to find the teammates. I like that as a motivation for their next several missions. Um, now I'm going to give Exiles number six, six out of six claws. Because All right. My, my favorite book out of the stack by a, as Dan tweeted something the other day, a country mile. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, we, I mean, listen to our podcast, but we love this issue. Yeah, it's great. It's and you know, y'all 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 notice something else too that is weird to say because when you get when you get a creative change and then you also say it's the best book of the series, it makes it sound like you're dogging the previous creators. And you're not, because Rodriguez is awesome. And I'm not gonna say Rodriguez or Rice is better or worse. I think they're both amazing artists. But this was my favorite book of the series so far, for sure. Any comments, Dan? Um, art amazing, writing good, Wolvie, yay. <laughs> Child sexy, there you go, done. <laughs> it's, it's, That's all you need to know. I, I have a question, where does this lie with, with um, and I know in, in Marvel they put it under like editorial like groups or whatever, but where does this lie? I mean, it's not like an X book, but it's not an Avengers book. It's not like a, obviously not a Spidey book or... You know, something like that. Where does this lie for you guys? Well, I don't know, because Sarah Brunstad is the editor, and I don't think she edits a lot of... I don't remember seeing her name a whole lot, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure, like, what, quote-unquote, division of Marvel she runs. Um, but it, whatever, she's doing a great job, so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? Maybe it's just, like, part of their best book collection. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. Cool. Oh. You know, speaking of Black Panther scene here, I I want to amend my, my ho- hopeful X-Books. One day I want to get Coates on an X-Book. But that's it. That would be interesting indeed. Oh, it would be so yeah. epic. Yeah, that would be, be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, so go read Exiles if you're not. And go listen to Excalibur if you're not. Because shame on you for missing either of those. Shame on um, you. <laughs> shame. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, um, we're going to talk real quick about a couple of issues of Weapon X. We have all new Weapon X on number 21 and a Weapon X X-Force 22. So um, 21, I'll run through real fast. If he dies, he dies. The conclusion, uh, great Dolph Lundgren quote, okay issue. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Written by Greg Pak and Fred Van Lente, Art by Ricardo Lopez Ortiz. Colors by Frank Diamarta. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And the cover by series cover artist Raza. Um, I don't care for the cover. The only thing I like is the glowing um, Omega sign on Omega Red's forehead. But basically, you have Warpath trying to save Old Man Logan, and you got blood on the claws of Sabretooth and Deathstrike. That's all you need to know. Um, this is basically the story of Sabretooth saving Omega Red and Warpath quitting the team. That's really kind of all there is to it. Um, 
I do actually really like the art. It's kind of like if uh, Roberto Ramos and Riley Rosmo had a love child in the best ways possible. Um, so it's kind of ugly and stylized, but also really interesting. Um, of course, you have a baby tiger. Uh, every, everything needs a baby tiger. Um, but really, I mean, really, it's just everyone kind of disagreeing with each other, figuring out what they're going to do. Is, is Weapon X becoming out, quote unquote, outlaws? Which I guess is the new, the new trend for X Men books to be outlaws again. Um, so yeah, uh, this issue um, it really just kind of sets the stage for the next because now they're going to be like a pay for hire group, and Old Man Logan and Warpath are no longer involved. Um, that's really all you need to know. And Mystique's going to join the team because she's in a hot tub. Sure. And she was posing as the foreigner. And I will say the weirdest thing about this book is that... Oh, I guess she does reveal it to them. I was thinking that was only to the reader. But she does tell the team that the foreigner is really Mystique. Um, did either of you happen to read this? I did. I quite like... I'm with you. I like the art. I just didn't care for the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Jordan, I didn't did read, this, read this, one. this one. I didn't read this one. I read okay. the next one. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. Right. So, uh, Dan, I gave this uh, it's a very fair to Midwin three out of six because of the art. Um, so. I would, I'd probably agree with you because, um, yeah, the art's really nice. Okay. Well, number 22 is Weapon X-Force Part 1. Um, same writer's uh, we go back to the quote-unquote regular artist who will also be on the Uncanny team, uh, Yodre Sinar. Uh, colors and letters the same, cover the same guy. Um, this cover, we have the classic ripping through the old cover with the new team. Um, I don't really like it, but I do like all the orange. Because I like orange. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I, I mean... Yeah, they look like really bad CG or something. I don't know what's coming out of that that cover. It's it's not. Let we can skip this cover, right? <laughs> we don't yeah. need to talk about this anymore. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so we have Mystique uh, bringing some nuke pills to uh, some out or no, it's not outworld, a uh, break world folks. Um, they're gonna renege their deal, but Weapon X Force shows up in their new black and orange duds. They meet the bad guys, get paid. Domino's going to split, but then Sabretooth wants to save his ex-girlfriend that he can't call his ex-girlfriend. So he gets some funny glasses, and they go undercover to try to rescue Monet from this religious cult. Um, but, of course, she sniffs him out and betrays him, and then the cover is blown. Our, our backup team shows up on dirt bikes in one of the best pages of the book, I thought, as Definitely. far as visually. yeah. Uh, especially the colors in the background, really cool. Um, and there's some more fighty fight. They find out that the preacher is not a manipulative televangelist because that's not realistic. He actually had to have mental powers. That's Mentalo. Um, and they're going to beat him. They got it going on because Lady Deathstrike is a nano nanobot stabbing everybody and breaking control of the power. But then Deadpool shoots in because he was hired by Mentalo to, I don't know, protect him, I guess. Sure. And there you go. Uh-huh. All right. 
<laughs> what do you guys think of the art? I'm not real high on this guy. The book for me was vice versa. I preferred the writing to the art as opposed to the last issue. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, it was really quite punchy for some of it. And I was like, I could get behind this. It's like a, you know, like a, uh, a middle of the road X title. You're kind of bored. You've got 10, 10 minutes to spare. I could totally get behind that sort of dialogue. It's just, I can't, I don't know how to describe it. It fe- the art's like classic. Like it feels very sort of classical superhero style, but it's sort of coloured so modern, and the orange is really like a there. That <laughs> 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 you can I don't know. It just doesn't. It doesn't. The colour work does not gel not with at all. the light no. at all. And because it, it just feels really vibrantly modern. Yeah, it's so woodenly classic. It, it, it's weird. Yeah, the kind of mi- mixed up. Uh, this, this art team isn't isn't flowing well together. No, I haven't read Weapon X, and I don't remember how many issues. But I I jumped on because we're talking about this issue, and I was like, hey, I don't remember the writing being this good. Like either. <laughs> well, you know what it feels like. It feels more like the style of writing and the interaction and the dialogue from when the book first started, which we kind of enjoyed. Right. And then they got away from that, and then we quit reading it. But this feels like um, kind of a return to that sensibility as mm-hmm. far as the team dynamic. And so, yeah, I enjoyed that part. And the art's not bad. It just something about it that's just not connecting to me. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it is, Dan, the, the way the colors and the art don't go together. or the, It's very static. Yeah. Like, it, has no, it doesn't convey any movement. Like, Mystique's shape-shifting through the crowd, but it doesn't feel like that's happening. It just feels like, I don't know, it just, like, it just feels bizarre. The static, like the, the, even though all this stuff's kicking off, no one's moving. It feels like a two D image. Yeah, <laughs> which it is. I know that sounds crazy when we're talking about comics. But <laughs> it feels right. like a two D image. It doesn't feel like it should flow. All right then. All right. What do you guys want to give this book? It's only um, fair to give it to give it free, because on its writing, because we. Because I gave the other one free on its art, so there you go. I'm all about being fair. I'll, I'll be fair as well. Then I'll go three out of six. Um, I think a better artist, or even just a more collaborative feeling book, I can enjoy this. I won't say a lot more, but definitely more. Yeah, if the colors and inking and and, and pencilers, if, if all all, I, I don't remember if it's three different people this time or just two people, but if that they were in sync, it would be a much more enjoyable issue. Uh, I was actually really surprised. Like, hey, I kind of like this book a little bit. That feels weird. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I'll give it a low three because the artwork really did drag it down for me. But uh, promising. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested. To, I'm, you know, it's kind of weird when you told me you thought it was being canceled because I was like, well, it's just kind of now getting okay again. It's like a weird time to, <laughs> weird time to cancel it. Cancel. That's when you should cancel every book. <laughs> When it's good. <laughs> right, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. So that's uh, Weapon X twenty two. Um, yeah. We'll see. See where it goes. I guess. I will tell you right now. Uh, I'm gonna play a little. Uh, what's Johnny Carson where he reads the envelope on his forehead? Uh, oh. I don't know. Anyway, I'm gonna tell you right now that my least enjoyable issues of Uncanny will be the ones this guy draws. <laughs> sure. I hate you. I hate to be a bastard like that, but I do. I'm just I'm predicting that. 
All right, so we're going to hit some more team books real fast. Um, try to keep on that kind of same pace, and then we'll wrap up with some thoughts on some solo books. So, Astonishing X-Men number 14, Until Our Hearts Stop Part 2, written by Matthew Rosenberg, penciled by Greg Land, inked by Jay... Shh, listen. Colors mm-hmm. by Frank Diamarda, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, and the covers by Land and Diamarda. I actually really love this cover. Um, he hides... It almost has a, uh, an over-the-top butt shot, but then he draws it back <laughs> and dials it down a little bit. But I really love just the background and like the kind of the almost like old Agents of Shield, like almost a almost a Starenko feel to like the disco ball and the stuff spiraling out and the names kind of curving. I don't know. I really I really liked it. What do you guys think of the cover? Um, it's a strong cover, especially from Greg Land. Um, I love the color work. Yeah. Uh, yep. And I like how it does a sort of semi-translucent near the end. I like. Yeah. No, for sure. Like uh, Land, I feel is on on his game here. This issue. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, and so basically, um, undead Banshee is kicking some Reaver ass. Beast and Havoc are trying to survive. Warpath shows up because Kitty sent him to babysit Havoc. Um, so he inadvertently gets drawn to the team. We get some actual follow-up with how Colossus is handling everything, and that's just by drinking a lot um, and growing a beard, kind of. On that first page, does he have half a shaved beard? Get to yeah. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird looking. Yeah. And it doesn't carry over the rest of the issue. No. But, um... <laughs> anyway, Beast is able to get some information out of the Reaver head. Um, and basically a hit list. And on that list is Forge. But Forge right now is being a roadie for Dazzler. And I thought Dazzler was still popular in Marvel continuity. Is she not? Because this seems like a really bad like reunion tour. And no one's come to see her, see her play, and so she at first is like all excited that she's been asked to rejoin the X Men, but they're like, "Oh no, we need Forge," and Forge is like, "No thanks," and then they get attacked and they win, but it turns out it's not the Reavers, it's the Feds or something, and so they're going to be outlaws, <laughs> like uh, Weapon X, right? Like everybody yeah. else, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought the art was actually quite nice. Um, I do think that when Banshee's just standing around, he kind of looks like an old Tom Petty. Rest in peace. <laughs> um, <laughs> and well, yeah, you guys go ahead because I think I think I may be a, little, be a little bit different from y'all on this one. So, so artistically, I think um, it is very strong. Land. I do think he falls into some of his old cliches with. Um, Dazzler, um, right, and, and the security guard is his Luke Cage from when he drew Mighty Avengers. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> yes, that's funny. And but on the whole, it's okay. Some of the running jokes, like is Banshee okay, kind of works. And the joke where um, Mobile Man, I mean Havoc, I mean any protagonist this guy writes, um, <laughs> when he says like what what. 
list? I'm what? What am I on the list? I thought it was kind of fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> drunk Colossus. I preferred Colossus that went and got a tattoo uh, when he broke up with Kitty the last time. Um, <laughs> the last time. I wonder what um, we'll do next time they break up. Which yeah, which time, right? And pick, pick um, one out of a hundred. You know that he has no idea what to do with with Warpath when the reason he's there is so thin, so paper thin. It almost sounds like bullshit. Um, <laughs> and aside from that, I right because it's got this sort. It's got the same. It's got like a really punchy feel, and I think it's the stronger issue out of all the one Rosenberg issues we'll have been re- reading um, recently. And I think Astonishing is where maybe he works best. Out of all the other books, we he does, mm-hmm. um, but I'm still not really sold on any of it. Like, literally, we like you said, it's dazzle and popular. Didn't we just read a dazzler solo issue where she's still really popular, <laughs> and <laughs> she's just she just kind of was bored to be on the road. Like, you know, she just wanted to get that sort of. She wanted to just do her music. She didn't want the X Men, but then at the end, she thought that she could do both. So I was like, why is she like a failed? I don't know, has been Dazzler? I don't know, does it work? It it works for this issue. But like you say, they've become outlaws again, and it's like, oh, look. Yay. Well, it my feels question like is, are they going to direct- go to Australia? Oh, God. Are they going to be Outback outlaws? It, it feels directionless, but, like, keyed into a certain sort of... Um, idea that if we just have people that are fame like... Uh, fan favourites on the team, or like B-list fan favourites. Sorry, Havoc. Um, <laughs> will it Will it work? And I don't know if the ex- the, the grand experiment is going to work yet. Um, I don't know. It just, it just felt so bland. Right. Yeah, for me it's pretty bland uh, storytelling character-wise. I mean, art, the artwork here is, is definitely the highlight uh, not that this is like the most stunning thing, but for for Greg Land, I think this is the kind of stuff that if he brought this every issue, you'd be happy with. Um, for, for me, like um, what what he's trying to do here is take these like B level characters and sort of rewrite them in a way that he wants them to be, and it could be like a fun, snappy book. But these characters are already established. Like, we know who Havoc is, we know who Colossus is supposed to be, we know who Banshee's supposed to be, we know who Dazzler is, we just had an issue, uh, like a solo, like, one-shot. Um, so we know what these characters are, but they're not quite behaving the same way. It almost feels like, you know when Spencer did uh, Superior Foes of Spider-Man, and he took, like, these more C or D-level characters and kind of rewrote them a little bit to be, like, comedic foils? And that worked because... They were D-level characters that didn't have anything set so much, so you could—they were more malleable, right? And you could have fun with that. Right. Here, you can't make like this. Doesn't feel like Colossus. This feels like this feels like Multiple Man. This feels like his quote-unquote protagonist guy. It doesn't feel like Colossus. It, it's like this is the book you want to tell, even though these aren't exactly how the characters would react in this situation. So. Um, I'm I'm kind of down story wise on it, but our work, you know, Land, good job. Uh, I forget what book we read of him recently that wasn't quite on par, but this was this was nice. Yeah, I don't remember either. Um, I remember we kind of got up on him when Weapon X kicked off. 
and then he did something recently that we were like, oh, maybe not. And then, because I, I remember I made a comment that, but if you want to see the high quality, go back to his Hulk book that he was doing at the time. Right. And this, yeah, this definitely feels more like that. This is him in his A game. You know, I, I, I did catch what Dan was referring to. There is kind of a weird, like, everything's going fine in normal art, and then you have kind of the, the butt shot of Dazzler as he confronts Colossus. But, um, you know, whatever. Um, it's not too egregious. Um, all right. I don't. I don't think anything you guys are saying is wrong, <laughs> uh, at all. Uh, Rosenberg definitely has kind of a voice, and it's not a bad voice. And he, but he definitely kind of can sometimes shoehorn people into that voice. Um, and so I think, I think what that's going to equate for for me, or equate to for me is a book that's going to be very up and down. So, like the first issue we did of this, where the action and the story are not as interesting, and the snappy witticism and jokes don't quite land, I'm not going to enjoy it. But then this book, to me, a lot of the humor really worked. Like, I chuckled several times in this issue, and... I don't know. I don't know if it's 100% fits Havoc, but I'm kind of getting behind Havoc as kind of the, the lovable loser Summers brother. Um, I know he's kind of always been like a bro-bro, and so I don't think it's too far of a departure. Um, but but in the action was good. And so I think when his when his jokes work and, his, and the action's good, it's a lot easier for me to enjoy his writing. Um, now, I said, for example, if you didn't read his Tales of Suspense with Clint and uh, Bucky. Like, a great book, because both those guys kind of fit into his yeah. natural character yeah, types. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I think I think Havoc works better than, say, maybe Beast. But, and I agree, Warpath is just kind of like, I'm the, I'm the negative Nancy on the team, because I don't really want to be here. And it's weird, you know, when you, when you talk about archetypical X-teams, we kind of have two strong guys. Um, so I'm, I'm curious how that kind of plays out. But uh, um, I don't know. I think all that aside, I just still really enjoyed the issue. And so that's going to affect how I kind of come away from it a little bit. Sure. And I, I, I just I predict and foresee that this run is going to be very inconsistent for me depending on you know, how does stuff land. Because um, knowing that it's not going to be quote-unquote 100% right all the time, then then what does it do in its execution? And I thought this book was just really well executed. No, I, I understand. If it if, if the jokes land, if things hit hit you like they're supposed to, then you're going to like it better. Um, right. But, but still, for me, I feel like it's it's one voice. And where, as I mentioned earlier, Thompson can feel like uh, she's got her voice, but she's, for example, with Mr. Mrs. Mrs. X, she's able to adjust and make each character feel unique. Here, I don't feel like Rosenberg is able to do that. It's, it's a, uh, it's a shame, uh, at least from my my, my perspective. I think right. the problem is that the the setup of all of them is that aside from because he obviously can't write Irish. So. <laughs> you think that's why he's Banshee's a zombie? That's not. I think everyone is come every. <laughs> yeah, because he's a zombie because he can't do right. the can't do the dialogue. Um, but aside that, all of the characters come from the exact same place. They're all um, in some sort of failed moment of their mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. and they're right. all 
But apart it, from Warpath, apart from Warpath, he was just there, which I feel like that's Warpath's stick now, because wasn't he just there in Weapon X? As yeah. Well? <laughs> well, see, and that's a great opportunity, because he can also be in that place, because he just broke up with Domino and had to leave a team he was on, because he disagreed with where they were going, and so where does that leave him? Like, I thought there, there's a really missed opportunity to kind of put him in the same mold of making this kind of the underdog X-Men team. Um, it's, a great, it's a great idea to have all these people who go through the same sort of experience to come together. But the, important, the problem, I think, maybe Georgie and I, I don't want to speak for Georgie, is that not only are they coming from the same place, they almost sound the same. Yeah, <laughs> they all yeah. Sound the same yeah that's fair. As well. that's fair. They all, they're yeah. all like gallows humor or something. Beast only sounds differently because the words he uses are larger. They have more <laughs> syllables. Yeah. His, his yeah. dialogue has more <laughs> syllables than everyone else, but he still sounds the same. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's it's fun. like I said, some of the jokes did work for me as well, and it's not a bad. It, like it, it it isn't offensive. No. Um. Like I don't hate it, but I don't love it. Which um I think that's the eternal question. I think everyone has everyone I've ever known has ever asked is, is it worse that you don't feel anything to it at all? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um yeah. So for me, I think with Dan, this falls in the meh category of it didn't really make me feel anything, and is that worse or better than? Uh, those uh, those covers from X Men Black. At least that, at least that made me feel something. All right. I know. I know how made you feel, Georgie. Hey. Oing, oing, oing. Wow. <laughs> and now everyone's gonna come after me on the internet. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sorry. Leave Georgie alone. Remember what I said. Be better. Be better than me. Um. <laughs> so, so how would you rate this one, Jason? Well, I'm gonna. I'm obviously gonna be the high mark in the group. I'm gonna give it four out of six. Claws. I'm expecting y'all to be significantly lower. I'm gonna give it. Uh... Do what you're gonna do. Be you, Dan. Give it two. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> I was actually thinking of giving it like a low. Uh, it seems weird, but I feel like because it's so mediocre in my mind, that I feel like it should have the middle <laughs> mark. Right. <laughs> It's so like down the path, but at the same time, it's so down the path that I think it should deserve like a two. Um, but then it's not just about the writing, and like we said on Excalibur's immensely that um, we always talk about the art, and I think Land has a lot to say here visually that he doesn't often do. So I think I am going to give it on a, on a free for bad and for the good of it. I think it will get a free. So I guess I'm going to go with the two then. Um, <laughs> okay. It's just, and, and this is nothing against the artwork. As we all mentioned, I think Land is doing what, what he should be doing here. But I just, on an emotional level, I didn't feel anything from this. And, and on because, an emotional level. <laughs> because of that, I mean, it's art. Art, art. What's the definition? Art is something that makes you feel. And this didn't make me feel. Uh, so it gets a lower mark. You make me feel. <laughs> you make me feel like you're only worth two claws. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, cool. I, I think I'm enjoying when we disagree a little bit, so helps make the podcast a little less homogenous, so mm -hmm. that's good. Uh, <laughs> Alright, so I, I w we'll try to speed this up a little bit. Um, X-Men Blue and Gold. Um, we have two issues of Blue, 32 and 33. Um, written by Colin Bunn, 
the first one is art by Andre Guinelet, maybe? I have no idea. And the next one is by Marcus Toe, which I like. Um, colors by Matt Mia on both. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna on both. Covers by R.B. Silva and Rain Moreto on both. Um, on 32, you have Young Jean crushing Magneto's helmet with the other X-Men in the back. It's fine. Um, then you have Future X-Men Blue, uh, Yesterday's X-Men Tomorrow. I feel like both these covers are okay. Yep. Any particular mm-hmm. comment on mm-hmm. them? Nope. So one, I feel like these also are out of order. Um, so one, we have Magneto continuing to be bad and attack uh, Emma Frost. And the X-Men blue team trying to save him. Um, and, you know, they fight some eventually. Magneto's like, I don't want to hurt you kids. And he leaves. Um, and they take Magneto, or I'm sorry, they take Emma to a tacky cabin in the woods. Um, where she's going to hide out until her, her black issue, I guess. Um, but the X-Men are worried about Magneto. And then the next issue, we get... A little more insight into Magneto's motivations as after he killed the Mother Vine kids, he went to the future and found a world that he had to save with his new brotherhood, which, by the way, who's the saber tooth? Um, anyway, so everyone loves him in the future. They built a statue. Baby Nightcrawler's like, Oh, you're my daddy. Um, but then the future blue team minus Iceman because I guess Cable still has him maybe I don't know um, show <laughs> up and say you're going to get yours Magneto and that's it so um, I don't know they're both okay I guess I like the art in 33 by Toe better than I did 32 32 felt like a Saturday morning cartoon um, just yeah like full on cartoon vibe yeah, I can see that for sure. Oh, my bloodstorm's still there, so I guess this is before extermination. I was like, why am I still reading this book? I don't care yeah, anymore. Okay. What are you doing? <laughs> this doesn't tie in with anything. I don't know why. What, what is the point of this? If this is a story you want to tell with Magneto, I would not have guessed that when you started your run on Magneto because this feels like... Like, you didn't know where you were going, and then you, you found a corner, and you turned this corner, and now we're just we're going in the future time. I don't know what we're doing here. We're going off a cliff, is what he's doing. Yeah. Um, um, the second issue, like, one's a fight issue, which ends in nothingness, and the other is just Magneto being moody, which is, isn't it, that is default <laughs> setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bun recently, isn't it? Yeah. I'm moody, I'm in the future. Oh, look, the X-Men blue wear blue now. <laughs> What happens? What ha- man, Owen Bunn's Magneto solo series is becoming such a distant memory. But it's weird because that was so good. He had such a handle on the character and was like, oh, yeah, I really love his writing. And then I don't know. And then it felt like this book, like when he was independent, he was fine. Tie-ins he didn't like. But this isn't a tie-in unless it's... I guess you could say it's a tie-in to what's going to happen to extermination. Maybe he just doesn't. Maybe he just got his legs cut out from him. I don't know. Yeah, I thought both these are pretty boring. Yep. Yep. So I'm going to follow Dan's rule of boring. Um, I feel like I should get 33 
Yeah, I will. Just because I like the art more. So I'm going to do two out of six and three out of six, respectively. Double two. I I wanted to. I just I don't think the art's equal, so I felt bad giving them the same grade. <laughs> but right. Yeah, realistically, both twos. So I guess I'm the downer this time because I'm going one two. Like I like the first. Okay. Book, it's not an awful book, but I'm just so bored and done with this story already that it seems yeah. aimless. So one for that. Two like the second book, uh, much better artwork, but still, what are we doing here? I feel like the we've lost the rudder of the ship and we're just like spinning in the ocean. Yep, I agree. All right, well, that takes us to X-Men Gold, Guard uh, War. God War, I think it's going to be the last story, part one, uh, written by Martin Guggenheim. Art by Michelle Bandini, who I hope does not get lost in the Marvel fold. Um, colors by Eric Arseniega, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And cover by Phil Noto. Oh, yeah, yeah, woohoo. Cover by Phil Noto, who's decided that the... He's going to down his game for X-Men Gold. I feel like his X-Men Gold covers have been some of the least interesting stuff he's done in years. Um, this one included. Okay. But it's Storm being prayed to, I guess, is what it is. If he had to summarize it. Um, oh, and Georgie, I didn't answer your question ever, I think. So I finally read Daredevil, which Noto just became the regular artist on. Right. I, I actually thought the art was pretty good, but I do think it's less... It's less, I don't want to say risky, because that's such a weird word, but it's like he... No, I agree. He plays it, safe, he plays it safer. It's more standard. I agree. So I thought it was... Yeah, okay. So, anyway, that's our Phil Noto sidebar. But Daredevil, good book. Um, <laughs> X-Men Gold, not so much. Um, actually, an interesting premise. So, basically, Storm, um, there's some stuff going on in her country. It talks about the Void... It was left like 40 years ago when she quit being the goddess of Kenya. Um, but some other god has come in and he's not as nice. And Storm's adoptive mom is murdered. And I actually kind of like the story beat of Storm like having, like, I haven't haven't done anything in a while and now you're dead and I feel guilty and I have to do something. Like kind of overreact a little bit. And that's very, very normal and something that people do all the time. And so I actually kind of enjoyed it. So she goes back and is going to kind of confront this god. Um, oh, also Rachel breaks up with Kurt um, because she's got to figure timelines out or something. Um, anyway, I actually really would have enjoyed Storm fighting this other god if she had just said, I'm the goddess of the storm like I was years ago. Because Storm is – the thing about this story that, that's weird to me is Storm doesn't need a hammer to be a goddess. Like, she is one. And so, the hammer thing and the Thor connection kind of takes me out of the story a little bit. Because it doesn't have anything to do with this story. I also didn't like that the way she got the hammer was her mom praying. And the Asgard's, like, eavesdropped on her prayer. <laughs> she wasn't even praying to them. She was praying to, like, her old gods and the Asgard. And he's like, ooh, I hear a, a random stray prayer. So, we're going to send Storm a hammer. I don't know. I thought that was all dumb. I really like the art a lot. <laughs> so those are my rambling, random thoughts. So I, I go ahead, Dan. And, go, I, go for it. and I really like the art, um, but um, I'm going to be a little harsher and be like, 
why is it that every time she goes to Herman, no matter what media she's in, be it any cartoon or comic book, it's already some evil person that's taken over some, like, <laughs> the, like, generally, like, that is literally the only story we can tell about her past. Right. Um, but other than that, the setup was, I thought it was going to be, like, a really interesting, but then I said it's Guggenheim, I expect too much. Um, <laughs> right. But I thought it might have been an interesting emotional story, not a we've seen it a million times before <laughs> story. Yeah. Well, I did not read this book. I have not read Gold. <laughs> I, I only read the uh, the wedding issue just because of that, uh, because of the wedding issue. But just hearing some of this makes me glad. Like, Rachel broke up with Kurt just because. Uh, it sounds like Guggenheim put them together without any plan for that, and that when he didn't know what to do with them, he just decided they should break up again. So. I feel like Tom Taylor's like, break them up now. He's mine. <laughs> I like the idea that Tom Taylor just walks around and just tells them. And right. tells everyone else. I'm taking this guy, get him out of your book. I'm taking <laughs> this guy, get him out of your book. So, uh, I didn't read it, so obviously no, no grade, but did you, you just make me glad that I'm not reading this book. Yeah, you should be. You're you're doing fine. It might be worth like thumbing through just for the art, mm-hmm. but yeah. Sure. All, right. All right. Well, hmm. Hmm. I'm gonna give it uh, three out of six because I like the art, and there could have been a story. Maybe I don't know. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> I'll join you in a free because I'll just. Uh, um, mark the art and ignore the rest right. of it. Yeah, I'm gonna follow my own my own philosophy and disengage. <laughs> uh, all right, so a few solo X books that. Um, well, first of all, are either of you still reading New Mutants? No, because I'm not. Oh, <laughs> shoot, Georgie! What I need. No, we can't. We can't leave this this section yet. Um. I didn't read and didn't buy the astonishing annual. Well, I thought I thought Dan and I could probably just do a quick few few sentences on it. Yeah, because, well, because tell of me that. what happened because everyone's "quote unquote" buzzing about it. So really, what, what's the big reveal? So X comes back because we all wanted yeah. that, and he acts right. he acts like a dick, Professor X, because that's yeah we needed we needed another one of those <laughs> stories. It's it's just like. The X kids get together for a reunion dinner. X shows up, hijacks them, takes them to this town where where something's going down, makes them fight because he gets to decide what they do with their lives. And at the end, he says, "You should be thankful." Wipes their memory, and then they, uh, because their memory is wiped, they go to dinner again the next night, and that's the end of the issue. And it's just like, oh, Professor X being a jerk because that's what we're gonna tell again. It's like. It just felt, it felt, I will say this, in this issue, uh, this is done by Rosenberg again, and his characters felt like they were actually different people. I don't say I, I liked them, but they felt like they were actually different voices, so kudos for that. But uh, as a story, it just felt like a sick joke on the X characters. It almost felt like, I don't like the X-Men, so I'm going to put them through another terrible experience. <laughs> That's what it felt like. The artwork I did okay. enjoy. The artwork was unique. I don't remember who wrote the uh, who, who drew uh, this book. Travel Foreman, who did Tales of Suspense with him. Yeah, which was Iron Man, which was amazing. 
yeah so good 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 art artwork but story-wise i want to throw up my mouth my mouth is when i read this <laughs> wow um well wow so beast has a cape in this and oh. that's the best that sounds part. awesome um, <laughs> but a shirtless cape, right? Like no shirt. No, 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 cape? No, no. Uh, he's wearing a t-shirt underneath. Oh cape. man, uh, I want to see him like dressed like Beast from the Disney movie. Oh my god, yes, <laughs> I love it. So I artistic- just have a- artistically, I'm a massive fan of um, Farman since his um, run on Animal Man on the Ultimates. I yes. really like his work. Yes. His style is very horror, and I think the story of it was supposed to be a horror story, like horror-related story, but it doesn't. The art makes it feel more horrific. Uh, his depiction of um, twat bags Xavier um, is perfect. Like he generally looks like a twat all the time, and I think <laughs> that's what we need to see. Um, I think his beast is one of the best beasts because this evolution. No one's. I don't know how many people like this evolution of beast. It's like sort of version of him, which is sort of weirdly monkey, but not right. really monkey. Uh, but his beast is, <laughs> is, is, is brilliant. His Iceman work is great. I oh, really yeah, love yeah. his his Archangel. is astonishing. That sex. The scene when there's a scene in it. Um, you're going to read it, so I'm not going to say. It. There's a scene with Archangel, and it is the best uh, scene written scene of, of, of the book even though it hasn't no, no, say because i'm uh, probably not going to read it <laughs> well he xavier Until it comes in, on marvel unlimited anyway right in his, in, in his infinite wisdom of making everyone do everything he plays everyone so well that archangel is because it's lucifer uh xavier's first the person that crippled xavier is who they're fighting oh. in the place logos which apparently means a lot to everyone i just was like oh okay um because i don't care um and he decapitates lucifer in it um because um archangel takes over and uh, while warren's almost getting consumed archangel takes over and just decapitates the dude and they're like and gene's like you knew this would happen and then xavier promptly erases their mind and the next time they're they're there they're all happy because he's literally made them happy it is the thematically it's one of the most disturbing x books i've ever read like it generally has a message of um it doesn't matter that you don't do not whine what you've been do not whine about anything you've been given because I told you not to whine is essentially Xavier's line and that then it's weirdly covered up near the end of you may not want this life but you have to have it and then it sort of finishes with no matter what you want to do with your life I am in control and the person who is in control and has saved you should be in control of your entire life and now I'm going to turn all your brains off it is the weirdest, most because I know I know X was supposed to be a bit sinister, but this is full on villain, yeah, yeah, manipulation territory, and huh. um, it really pissed me off. There's a scene in it where they talk about everyone, where Gene, t- obviously the Red Union, Gene talks about all of them, um, like there's a missing chair, and it also it also annoys me that any of the, the people at the t- like Bobby and uh, Beast are actually sad that Scott's gone after all the stuff they threw at him. When Marvel's character assassinating Scott, I'm surprised they even care that he's dead. Um, <laughs> but what really annoyed me was like, um, Gene was like, "Oh, Beast, you followed Professor Xavier's dream, not your own, and look what's happened." Uh, Archangel, you were this carefree person, and look what the X-Men's brought to you. And then it's like, "Oh, Bobby, you're fine." Um, and and then it descends, and then she's like, "I died." Blah blah blah. I'm like, "No, Bobby, like, can't we just address? Can can we not just address?" These new X-Fighters, can they not just address that he's had a massive culture shock 
finding out that he's he's gay. That that's a big thing. It, it may not be I've turned into a blue ape or I am now a devil like a Deathbringer, winged angel. <laughs> but it's, it's it's still something that can be like oh he's just because they revert Bobby to a child in this book. He literally yeah. sounds like a teenager. Then he's supposed to be the late twenties Bobby, and he's just I don't mind Bobby joking because that's that's Bobby, but he literally sounds like a child. And he, he he's eating too much food. And he gets a stomach ache like a child. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, and Beast is t- chastising him like a child. Uh, Warren practically doesn't speak for most of it because no one no one seems to know what to do with him <laughs> ever <laughs> anymore. And Jean doesn't really sound like Jean apart from just telling off Professor Xavier at the end. I think it's really weird that like the writing is really bizarre and like Georgie said, it feels like someone who doesn't like these characters has written it. And just wanted to like annoy, like, run. but pe- I've not heard any chatter. Are people loving this book or something? Or is this like some I... thing? Or is it because Archangels killed someone again? Maybe that's he... what I just saw people saying that I, like it was some kind of big moment in it. And then I have seen several like high reviews. And so I kind of thought, oh, should I have bought this? And then I figured I'd wait and talk to you guys. But, like, <laughs> Wait until it's think, on Marvel Unlimited, and then yeah, I would, I think, I would yeah, look yeah, through well. it for the artwork because it is like I'm, I'm like uh, swiping through right now, and it's gorgeous. And he even makes like, like Dan mentioned, uh, you know, Iceman eating too much and having a stomachache. But the panel where he's trying to like stuff his face with this burger is like crazy gorgeous in its grossness. It's it's, <laughs> it's amazing. Okay. I, think I should definitely on Unlimited. You should definitely read it just to see what it like. It's just a weird, twisted tale. It feels like an Elseworlds, what-if sort of scenario. Like, right. what if Xavier, like, fully just showed that he was a prick from the beginning kind of, like, scenario. Yeah. It's just it's yeah. just very weird. And I don't... I, I can see why pe- if people were like, oh, wow, this book is mental. Or, and I don't see why anyone would be shocked that Archangel's killed, because he does it, like, every five seconds um, these days. So I... I I don't know what the big moment is. Is it just because the, the big moment might be the original team coming together? Or, or maybe you said it was Lucifer, so maybe... Because he hasn't been seen in a long time. Not that, I don't think he even misses him, but maybe somebody does. I don't know. It's, 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 it's <laughs> I was talking as a terrible character, but... <laughs> I, I, I would love Travel, Form, Travel Foreman to... I wish Travel Foreman was the artist on New, New Mutants, because his, his horror style would really work with that book. And I would I would love to see him on more X work, um, but this is this this was the book that I, where I read it and I was like, and this guy's writing the flagship title, <laughs> oh dear, mm. oh dear. All right. Yep. Okay. Well, that takes care of that, I guess. Yes. Um, yeah. Honestly, I I thought about. I mean, normally I would get it. I was I was kind of already mad that extermination was an extra dollar. I was like, you know what, Marvel. I'm not going to pay another dollar for this annual that looks like nothing happens. So, I'm I'll sure. I'm sure it won't. Like whatever happens in that annual won't bear like have any bearing on any of the other books anyway. So yeah, yeah, because he erases their mind. So what's the point of the entire story? Right. Yeah. All right. Well, so coming out of that, we'll wrap up with a few carrot solo books. Um, I guess we'll start with Domino. Um, Amazing. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's still really still good. good. Um, had a guest artist this time, uh, Michael Shelfer, but uh, Bondion did the layouts. I don't know how much who did what, 
but it's it, it's definitely not quite the same, and it feels super consistent. Yes, with the book. Um, and so yeah, I just I'm loving this book. Still giving it really high marks. Um, Domino's. You know, you know, I will say too. One one of the things that I enjoyed about the the last issue, not the one before, but the last issue, Weapon X, is it finally connects these Domino characters to feeling like the same person. Because I was really feeling a big disconnect between this book and her actions and other yeah, books. Yeah. Um, and so that it felt good that her characters kind of tied together because. Also, her character in that Mystery of Madripoor book does not feel like this either. Um, but this is a great domino. Um, it, her kind of weird, like, I'm a student, but I also have a massive crush on Shang-Chi is, is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way Simone uses her powers, like where the guy gets lime juice in his yeah. eye. <laughs> it's just really funny. Um, and you really care about the supporting cast. Um, you know, and and you really kind of feel for the bad guys, like kind of sympathetically, at least for the the one dude. Maybe not as much uh, Topaz, but the other guy, like, really feels sympathy for him because it kind of sucks that he either has to be mean to Domino or die. Like, <laughs> when those are your two options, what do you do, right? Um, so yeah, I just I thought it was really interesting. Are you both you guys still reading and or loving this book? Definitely. This is like full on my Gail Simone like joy because like her new fifty two output and the little was yeah. just a bit wasn't, yeah. didn't feel like her and this feels like her book, um, and I like that. Yeah, it's so much fun to read, uh, like hilarious and engaging, great character moments, wonderful art. As you mentioned, Jason, they they kept it very consistent. This this issue, it's like uh, more please. That's all I can say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would say a very, very high five out of six for me. Um, if we were to rate it, sure. which we don't have to, but Domino Five was the issue number. You should be reading. Um, it. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, all right, are, are either of you guys? Do either of you guys keep on with Multiple Man? Because I did not. I dropped uh, it. I've dropped. Yeah. How many, I don't even know how many issues are left. It's probably like the. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no right. more, oh, please. No more. Sounds good. Yeah. No, I know, no, thank you. Georgie, yeah, you wanted to make a couple of comments about Quicksilver? Yeah. Which I also, I'll be catching that on Unlimited for sure. You definitely that should. Was a, uh, that was a budget decision. <laughs> well, this so. is uh, this is Ahmed from uh, Exiles uh, doing this, this book as well. And it feels very much like his Black Bolt book in that it's a character study of Quicksilver. There's not like an iconic villain that he's going up against, but it's just sort of him coming to, to terms with himself and his past and what he should be doing. Um, that's wonderful. This is great moments here with him and his sister in this issue, and the artwork is phenomenal. Um, I, I don't know if you have any more words, Dan, but like standout issue. It was a beautiful issue, and I do love the idea that the entire like concept of him self-reflecting um, in narration is also him facing, essentially what he's facing is essentially the energy seems like him so it's like a almost metaphorical um, enemy <laughs> so he has to fight and he fights himself essentially so i really i just think it's one of the best written like quicksilver's such a weirdly non-character usually um 
just <laughs> angry. And he's angry. That's his that's his stick. And this gets to the core of that anger, and I quite like that. Yeah, Jason. Once this, cool. this becomes available, I think you'll you'll enjoy. This isn't a book that you can like speed through in a trade. I feel like some books propel, uh, you know, story wise. You're like, what happens next? This isn't a, a story about what happens next. It's like, what am I dealing with in re- regards to my own psyche next? So this this reads really well as like single issues. I I feel like I don't know how it will work in trade, but once this starts becoming available uh, on on unlimited, you should do yourself a favor and and, and pick this up. Cool. Yeah. Looking forward to it. I like the writer a lot. Uh, catching once the the entirety of Black Bolt is on Unlimited, I'm going to read that. And I've heard really good things about that, and kind of kind of has some remorse that I didn't pick up on it when it was out. Um, so yeah, looking forward to catching up on more of his work. So Quicksilver will definitely be included in that for sure. Awesome. And I've heard nothing nothing but great things about the book. I'm really. I've heard nothing but great things about anything he's done. So <laughs> I think I think that speaks a lot for a writer when there's you don't have a lot of naysayers. So Well he he did win the Eisner, right? Black Bolt, yeah. 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 So the artwork is yeah. I, I just feel like we should we should uh let you know because it's crazy good, but I can't damn it, it's not pulling up here. Do you know what the artist is on this Dan? I'd have to quickly search it, but um, generally, artistically, it is phenomenal. The way um, he they convey speed is quite unique, and because he elong- they elongate um, his body um, when he runs, which gives it a really interesting look. And they sort of, um, sort of angle all of the panels in specific ways, which sort of counter his body movement, so it makes it look like it's like a seesaw, if that makes sense. And I really like the way it flows across the page um, and the colour work is very muted but because v- um, it's not because scenario wise the world he's in is very muted so the colour work is he's the brightest colour there apart from a few other bits and bobs so it's quite an interesting sort of look at that world huh. yeah it's a uh, it's artist Eric Wynn. yes and then the colour is this stuff. the colour artist is Rico Renzi uh, from um Spider Gwen, right? So, when the colors do nice. shine, they shine really well here. Cool. All right. Very good. I'll definitely look forward to that. And you know, one day I'll be able to buy all the comics I want, and <laughs> it won't matter. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, thank you guys for for chiming in and, and let me know about a good book. So, um, yeah, I don't. Since, since Georgie is nice enough to record this for me, I have no idea how long we've gone, but I feel like it's pretty long. <laughs> We're so, at the um, uh, two-hour and fifteen-minute mark here. Yeah, yeah, I probably <laughs> should, should wrap it up. Um, <laughs> well, bonus for listeners if you made it this far. Um, and we should say something really important right now for the the listeners that that go through all two hours. Um, gosh, I can't think of anything. Um, we just know that all right, if you if you tweet, I heart Snickcast with a blue and yellow heart, then I will I will tweet you back something special. <laughs> you'll only get that message if you listen 
this far into the episode. So there you <laughs> go. All right. Well, cool. Well, guys, just again, always thank you so much for coming and just shooting the X with me. Um, I'm sorry, shooting the snicked, right? Shooting the um, It's always so much fun to, to talk with you guys about comics and just really anything. So I appreciate it. Oh, Jason, this was so, two hours and 15 minutes of just epic fun. Even though <laughs> I, I like, there are a number of books here that I didn't enjoy, I enjoyed talking about them with you. So, like, yeah, it was great fun for, for me. Hopefully, people have fun listening. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. Maybe they'll just hate you um, for disagreeing with them and send horrible messages on the internet. I'm sure there are a couple <laughs> yeah. people who will be upset that I don't like Rosenberg, so... We'll see. Yeah, you're not the only one. So, but thank you for letting me talk X comic, X comics, X comics. There we go. It's it's been so long. Two hours. Oh, you can put an X on both sides. X C O M I X. I'm I'm so nineties. Um. <laughs> or or you're very fantagram there. Yeah. Oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, where can people uh, find more about Excaliburs? Because they should. Um, at Excaliburs1 on Twitter is where we are trying to um, talk to people, trying to talk to people. I feel really tired. I'm sorry. My head's melting. <laughs> sorry, I can take over. <laughs> We're, you can find us uh, on any uh, basic podcast player at Excaliburs. We had an episode come out last week where we talked about Exiles, uh, the new issue, uh, one of the old issues and uh, uh, a tie-up of uh, a tie-in of Excalibur during Inferno, which was, like, amazing. Uh, Jason, if you got to read that issue, I'd love, love to hear what you thought about that as well, the old Excalibur issue. Yeah, I, I think I barely mentioned it in my coverage back, oh, it feels like a long time ago, but I really just, I remember thinking that tie-in worked really well. Um, because events back then maybe handled a little differently but not that different in quality um <laughs> from events nowadays uh you have some you have the story which is the story and then as tie-ins go you have some that are very integral to the story and then some that are very tangential and then in that tangential piece you have some that are interesting and some that are a waste of time and i remember the excalibur tie-ins being really interesting um you know with the whole like that was during the part of it, Scalper, where it was very, very satire heavy. Um, I remember like the action movie part y'all talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in, into the horror movie part, um, you know, with Kitty and Captain Britain. So yeah, it was a really, really fun issue, and really that whole time until Alan Davis leaves the first time is all top notch. And even then, the book stays pretty strong after him. But the, that initial, I don't know, is it like? I don't remember now, like maybe first 15, 20 issues or so. That's Claremont and David. And if I'm way wrong, I apologize. But that's what my memory wants to tell me. Um, but th that initial Claremont Davis run is top of the pile comics, like all the time. Um, it's been really fun for me because you know, I, when I got to that point in my flashback episodes, I didn't read it Scalper growing up. So they're all new to me, and it's been really fun getting into the book. Um, I'm actually kind of paused. I'm going to see if I can let y'all catch up to me so I can actually, like, read the issues with you guys, which I think will be even more fun. Awesome. But, 
even if you're not, it's a great podcast, listeners, and you know you've been hearing Georgie and Dan talk on here a lot. So if you haven't made the leap over to their own show, and there's no no better time than now. Cheers! Thanks for the shout out. Yeah, of course. So, um, just to, to tidy up the laundry room here on the podcast, um, for the podcast that goes snicked, uh, you can like the Facebook page, Twitter's at snickcast, and yeah, we're on we're on iTunes and Podbean and all that stuff. So, you know, if you're listening, you probably know how to. So keep doing it, <laughs> I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I I guess I would say I would just encourage more people to jump on the Twitter, especially if you're interested in, like, really old comic stuff. Because I've been doing, you know, we talk about our ex-Odyssey here. I've been doing a 60s Marvel Odyssey that's been really, really fun. And so, lots and lots of, of pages and covers I'm throwing out on my Twitter. So I've been loving your coverage yeah. of the old the old uh, 60s issues, Jason. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I kind of wish I had time to do, like, a second podcast on it, but... <laughs> But I don't, and if you want to hear someone else do it, uh, the Make Ours Marvel podcast uh, is is doing the same kind of journey that I'm doing, um, and you know, with John Wilson and Michael Kaiser, who are both wonderful podcasters, so you can check that out as well. Cool. And so, awesome. Well, maybe next time we'll, we'll I'll save my actually prepared to talk about some books I'm enjoying since I <laughs> did it last time but I don't want to drag this out anymore so right. um, I'll just say thanks guys and um, we'll Thank see you. everybody later alright thanks so, until next time hugs and snicks everybody bye 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 and snacked <laughs>